This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Welcome back to another great episode of the Scoreboard Addicts Podcast. I'm Nick, and with me, as always, is TJ. Unfortunately, the Rook is still getting used to having two kids, so tonight (laughs) it's going to be... Except that it won't be just the two of us. Today, we have an amazing special guest uh, back uh, uh, for the second time on the show. We really appreciate him. Excuse me. I'm stumbling over my words because I'm I'm fanning out right now. Your excitement. I, I, I'm extremely, extremely excited. I, I can't even speak. Um, coach, legendary coach of multiple teams to include TJ and my New York Jets. Coach Mike Westoff is in the house. Welcome aboard, Coach. <laughs> hey, Dennis. Thank you. No, I'm happy to be here. I, I enjoyed it the last time, and I, I said I'd be happy to do it again. So thank you. We I really know, appreciate coach, it because you're a man of your word. You said, you said you'd come back on, and here you are again. And we really appreciate you being here with us. No, it was but, fun. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to do it. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, and I gotta ask, what have you been living under a rock? Coach Westoff <laughs> has uh, a new book out called "Figure It Out." It's out. It's been out for over a month now, almost two months now at this point, and uh, it's it's basically his journey from a kid from Pittsburgh through you know thirty plus years, thirty five plus years of of coaching and and, and NFL uh, greatness and 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 just life lessons and and struggle and triumph and you know 70 years of life that we can we can all uh we can all really like sit down if you appreciate football you'll definitely appreciate this book um you can obviously get it at any bookstore which is awesome i personally i did the audible uh, which was great because Coach Westoff actually reads you his book. So you can, you, you like I said, I was telling Coach before we came on air, I was saying like I felt like I, I knew him a little bit more because it felt like he was talking to me the whole time through. And I was just kind of sitting there like, wow, like just an amazing life. And And if you have the opportunity and the ability, get out there, get the book, read it, listen to it. It's a great read. It's a great listen. Uh, listen to it on your commute to work. If you have to go do something miserable, you might as have a good. I might as well have a good time <laughs> on the way there. It, it, it made Thank my you. commute so much better. And like like Nick said, it was it was like having a conversation with a friend you've had for the longest time, and you're just you know learning about them a little bit more about them and everything that they went through. And it's amazing, you know, just that you know 
personality you put behind the book and how you're reading it yourself so you can you know expand on things you you can get the emotion behind it it was absolutely excellent i i'm really happy i did the audible version because it, it was just that extra touch of you know this it, it made it for me a little I, I i thank you i enjoyed it i enjoyed doing it in fact i was listening to it myself tonight i was driving back about a half hour drive for my for my girlfriend's actually and i listened to the book uh, tonight I was listening to it. Um, I, I went every day for three weeks to a studio. Uh oh, we lost coach. That, I think that was my fault. And, and he was he was so good. I mean, he just was a really good. You know, I'd read along and he might make a mistake, and you know, immediately he'd stop and clean it up. And, you know, okay, here we go, here we go, Mike, and it would pick back up the way I went. And so you know, it ended up without all the without all the sniffles or whatever else you have when you read. Um, so I, I got, I really got some help. I worked at it. I, I learned a lesson. Uh, when I first started, I was slow, you know, I was, uh, you know, and it, it, uh, uh, it, it was work, but I, I had a good guy that helped me. He did a lot with me and, uh, and, and I kind of like it myself that way. I really do. I'm, I'm proud that I did that. And, uh, I think, I think it came out, it came out pretty well. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Uh, so coach, real quick question. I could have sworn at some point during the book. I heard a page turn. Do they make you turn your own pages? You're an important guy. There should be a person there turning pages for <laughs> you. You you have ears that are maybe too good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would think after you, all the artillery. You, you could you could get in trouble with those ears. Yes, I actually there was one little part where there was a tiny. I, I would turn my own pages, um, but that, uh, that, that that was actually audible. It was, um, but I actually talked about you know because he mentioned to me he said he's going to go back and get it. And I said, no, don't, don't. I said, don't get it. I said, because, you know, I did it. And, and this is what it's about. So I'm not really right. concerned that someone knows I turned the page. I said, so, so what? Leave it alone. Yeah, and, uh, it, and he yeah. did. And I said, you know, with the, like when the players, when we interviewed them, and I said, look, you, you tell it, I will not edit it. I never, I, can, I did not conduct an interview for the book. Barry Wilner did that for me. Um, and I let them know that they would, I would not edit it. I said, you say it however you want. If you, you want to swear, you swear. I do not care. I, I want it, your story, how you lived it. And I want people to know that. I want people to get a feel for what took place in this part of the game at this time, which right. has virtually, as you well know, it's, it's been diluted. I, I think it's nearly disappeared. Uh, and it'll never go back to where it was. And I wanted to tell that story, and I wanted to be as honest and uh, as forthright as I could. And that was all part of it, all part of the deal. So, so Coach, as, as we're going to get into some questions about, about football, about the book, about training camp. But I wanted to start off with some recent news. Or not, I guess not news, but uh, sports news going on. I'm not sure if you caught the game. I know you're obviously a former college football coach. But I'm not sure if you caught the Florida State versus LSU game on Sunday. A lot um, of it, yes. So I thought it was appropriate. You were coming on the show tonight. And that I'm a I'm a huge Florida State fan, as you can see in the background. I have a Florida State hat right behind me. Um, <laughs> I thought it was appropriate that the game ended on a missed special teams kick. They missed the extra well, point and they lost yeah. the game because of it. Yeah, that's that's that. I, I I feel for that. You know, I really do. I I I don't know those guys. I don't know that kicker, but I, I root for them to be have a realm of success and. You know, if you're, you're kicking a 50-yard field goal and you miss it, I can live with it. You miss a PAT, uh, I mean, that's a tough one. That, that's a tough one. You know, you hate to see that. 
So I I hated to see that that happen that way. I really I, I did. I'm, I'm that's a Florida State fan. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's your fan because fans just want to win, however you can win. But uh, it, it was a lot of good things in the football game. I, I saw. To tell you the truth, though, I'm I'm not going to get terribly excited about either team. I liked I, Florida State was better than I thought they'd be. I, I wasn't terribly enamored with either quarterback. I thought they were okay, and I thought they were solid, but I was expecting a little tiny bit more. I, I think Florida State might have the bigger window. I think they're going to they're going to get you know that's a tough environment. But that's a and come on, that's LSU's. That's their home. That's like a home field for them. You know they got everybody and their brother down there. That's, my son actually went to the game. Uh, his buddy went to Florida State, and they and they went down to the game, and uh, were there. Uh, and he said that you know the crowd was crazy. But uh, if I, you're a Florida State fan, I think you've got a lot to look forward to. I, I think you're going to have a pretty good year. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate that. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to what Coach Norvell. I just thought again. I thought it was appropriate that a couple things. One, uh, uh, Verse, who came from University of Albany up here in in New York, which is it's funny. It's a state school. They have a right. football team. He gets he gets picked up by Florida State, and he blocks a kick on special teams. He's a starter. He's I love that. Teams. He's blocking a kick on on special teams early in the game so that they didn't go up too far in the first quarter. And then great think, job he did. Busted yeah. through between the between the, the wing and the tight end. He dropped his shoulder. He got through. That was a big play. Yeah. That, that had been a good drive. You know, and they came up with nothing. Yeah. You know, and then you get a – and, you know, they almost picked the darn thing up and ran it in and ran it back. So that was pretty exciting. But, uh, no, you're right. Here's a guy that comes from, from Albany, and he gets a chance on, a you know, a great school like Florida State. But not only that, on, on the biggest stage. Come on, you're down in the I – mean, that, that, that stadium's incredible. That's a, I loved it there when I was with the Saints. And uh, great place. And here, so he gets a chance to make a play like that. Doesn't get any better than that. Doesn't get any better. Yeah, I, especially coming from a school like Albany, he uh, sure they always have that conversation of oh, there's that adjustment going up up to the FBS schools to, to Division One A. Uh, he had, I think, he had three sacks or two sacks on Sunday, and then a, a, a blocked kick. I think he's adjusting just fine. I agree. I used to hear the same thing you know, from college to the pros and. Yes, and I and I, I made it very clear that the grown men play on Sunday, and it's not the college game. But believe me, the good ones can make the adjustment. They make it, and they're ready to play. They they move from this level to this level. They can do it, and and that's and that young man did that very thing. So uh, more power to him. I, I think it was great. I, I was happy to see that. So with with regard to your book, uh, loved it. Obviously, I've said that. Uh, I I noticed some stuff that. I don't know if, if fans understand. I, I, I kind of am having a hard time wrapping my head around it. But uh, you played linebacker in college, correct? Uh, well, at first I did, yes. And yeah, when you, I was when I was young, and then and then later as I got hurt, I got my hurt my knee, and I wasn't I wasn't that athletic anyway. And then I moved. There was a different time in football, and I moved. They moved me to an offensive center. At that time, I was I was six two. And I weighed about 230, 35 pounds. But every, we were playing kind of a fast ball. And uh, Alabama had started it and had some success with it until, until then the great big guy, Southern Cal, caught up to him, beat the heck out of him. But um, I, I was good at it. I could do it. I mean, I wasn't a great player, but I was a good player. I, I started those years, and I was the most valuable player. I was captain. And so I had a good career. Uh, and it was fun. It was fun. But I, I got in, in a place where I was – being asked to do something that I was actually capable of. 
that I could do. And that, that's the key. You know, I, I, to be say I was a, a real good player, no, no, I wasn't. But at that role, I was good. I, I did it very well. And that's kind of the key to football. You know, get somebody in the right spot where you can, you know, you, like I, I've had some good guys that have played for me that if, if I don't have them in the right spot, they've never made the team. They never would have made it. And that, that's kind of, all, that's kind of uh, all I did in my career was basically that. But, but I'm proud of it, and it, uh, it worked out, and it was a lot of fun for me. I think uh, if we could, I, I'm a Yankee fan. If you could have a sit down with Aaron Boone and tell him to put his <laughs> players in positions to be successful so that maybe the Yankees <laughs> could be a little bit more successful, I'd really appreciate it. Because <laughs> it seems to me that he's just not doing that. But with, with I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys handle that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, with regard to coaching, so Coach Robert Sala, who's obviously the head coach of the Jets, you've met him right. because you were at, you were at summer. Yes. Camp summer. Uh-huh. Um, he played tight end in college. Now he gets to the NFL and he's a defensive minded coach gets hired to the New York jets. And, and the concept is always, he doesn't know anything about offense. He's a defensive coordinator, but he played tight end in college. So does it, does the role that you play in college or coaching, does that have much of an influence on your ability to coach? Cause you know, again, he, he becomes a defensive coordinator, but he never played defense prior to becoming a coach. So, like, do, do you need to understand it as a player in order to teach it as a coach? Not necessarily. You bring up a good point, though. You bring up a real good point. Um, what I believe is that's all that's all part of a repertoire. You see, his playing tight end, you know, that 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 obviously that affects him. You know, he knows he knows a lot of a lot about that. He knows how to run a pass route. He understands angles of blocking. He knows a lot of little things. Okay. But yet at the same time, you know, it's just part it's part of what goes in your notebook you know, what's in your background. Okay, so then he goes in, he gets involved in defense. But yet, it's not like the case that you don't know anything about offense. When you're a defensive coordinator, you know a lot about offense, and you're never going to stop one. <laughs> if you don't understand some offense, how the hell do you think you're going to stop them? I mean, trust me, I've known some, you know, you could talk to Sean Payton, who I thought was just a tremendous coach and teacher, and, and he could tell you a heck of a lot about defense. He could coach defense, but he was a brilliant offensive coach. So in order to do that at that level and that level of, of expertise, you throw all of your chips into that basket. And so, yes, your time is a tight end. Sure, that's important. You're going you're gonna to talk to a linebacker. Well, how do you play that tight end? How do you line up on him? You know, how do you jam him? What do you do? How do you get off his block? All these little things. That's all part of your knowledge. And uh, – I don't think because you were in one spot, that necessarily means you, you go to another. I, I don't really believe that. I think you put it all together and you feed off of that knowledge. And then you just keep, as I, as Don Shulman would tell me every day, uh, you never stop learning. You never stop learning. You just keep on going, moving forward. And I think that's what he's doing. I, I kind of like him myself. I, I, I met him. Um, I don't know him all that well. I'm 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 going to root for them. I'm really going to root for them. I, I hope they do well. I think they're they're, they're not quite there yet, but uh, I, I'm really going to root for him. I like him. Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992 now in Lowry or downtown. The one thing I was amazed about. Um with your book was the just 
as a fan, you're watching it and you're seeing just a pace of play. And then to hear that, you know, you got Leon Washington looking over to you on kickoffs to see to signal which way the ball's going because you could tell as you know the kicker kind of approaches the ball which way we're going with it and what kind of play we're going to run and that's all happening in the second before you know his foot connects with the ball. It's that that's I mean that. just that that time frame it just does not make sense to me. It's insane. I think I think we did that better than anybody ever did in history. I think we did it the best. What I would do, I could study the kicker. I would watch his film. And I would just study him. And I knew exactly how he would, what the steps he would take going back, steps he would move over, how he would adjust. Some guys, there were a couple of them, like Akers used to play in Philadelphia. He would line up in the exact same spot. Now, if he was going to kick the ball to his right, he would take two hard steps straight ahead, right straight ahead. Then he would angle to the right. Okay? If he was going to kick the ball to his left, he would take two hard steps to his left over there like a 45-degree angle and roll in at the ball. So I would call a return, like say Jet. Jet was our term for we were going to double team the fourth player in from the outside. We would double him. We would trap the next level. We would kick out different, all different ways, but that's a base, kind of like an off-tackle running play. All right, so we're playing Philadelphia, and I would get in the huddle, and I'd, I'd say, okay, guys, Jet, check with me. Now, I couldn't call the play. I would signal right. I would stand there. I, I, I did it every game, every run. I, I was never wrong. I got it every time. And if we were going to go to the right, I would point like this up in the air. If we were going left, I would point down. I would just stand there. And, it, and I had to wait till he took two steps. And we busted them twice. We got him for a touchdown. But we were, we were good. Now, everybody, you had to practice it. I mean, when we practiced it, our practices were at a level of intensity that you can't even imagine. Because if they weren't, nobody could have ever done that. So I would stand there and practice and I'd just point down. And you better know not only you better know exactly what to do. Because remember, I'd be in the hole before and I'd show them. I'd say, okay, now tell me one of these two. And then you better know what to do. And then you had to know exactly where it was going to take place. And there's only three people that had to know exactly where to go. Only three. You had a, a rover when he would set the wedge, you know, then the guy would come through him. He was one. He would set the double team, and then and then the actually really only two guys, and then the guy that, that set the wedge. There, other than that, everybody else adjusted off of their block where they where they went. So, yeah, we did it just like that, just like that. And Leon. You know, he yeah, he was pretty good. Absolutely. So, speaking of Leon Washington, uh, I'm I've been a, a Leon Washington fan since he played at Florida State. Like I said, I'm a yep. I'm a huge Florida State fan, so I watched Leon Washington. I'm with you. I watched Antonio Cromartie at Florida State. uh, And and he's another good special teams player as well. Um, But Brent Boyer and Leon Washington, uh, what does it mean for that your former players are are following in your footsteps coaching, especially being involved in special teams? I'm happy with it. I tease everybody. I I wear all those shirts. I've got 9 million shirts. I tell them, I said, anybody that played for me has to send me a long sleeve dry fit. So I got them all. I've got I've got to see Seattle the Rams. Um, I had Houston, the Seattle Rams, uh, Seattle Rams, Minnesota, the Jets, Giants, Miami, Carolina, Atlanta, Saints. I can keep going. All those guys used to play for me, the Colts, or they coached with me. But now they have to send me shirts. So um, the guys that played for me. Um, I'm very happy. Oh, Jaguars, Bernie Parmelee's the Jaguars. So 
I keep going, I'll name most all of them. I've had. And uh, so they, if I wear all those shirts, I've got more shirts than anybody in Florida. That's, that's what I wear. I wear them every day. So I love it. I, I love that they did it. I root for them. I talk with them. Sometimes I talk more than others. Uh, coach out at the Rams, Joe DiCamellis, we, we talk almost every week. He'll tell me some of the things he's doing, his game plan things. He, he's very good. Joe, Joe's a good coach. And I, you know, he likes to do you know, it. You can't do as much as we used to do. And most of the stuff that I used to do, it's all illegal now, so no sense talking to me anymore. But <laughs> it's still kind of fun to, to kind of throw some things around and get a little bit of idea on some things. Still fun. So uh, speaking about, you know, former players that are, you know, obviously going down, following your footsteps, essentially taking what they learned from you and going on, uh, you specifically talk about in the book that you won't let numbers, you know, dictate if you're going to go after somebody or not. You, you know, you said you'd fudge numbers if it needed to uh, in the case of Zach Thomas and uh, specifically Larry Izzo. And yes. um, do you think now uh, the way scouting is and the way coaching is um, you obviously had a keen eye for talent and you were able to use your instincts and just that eye for talent to be able to pick up these players who obviously are wildly successful players. Uh, do you think scouting today kind of just stays with this, you know, statistics and the numbers game and, to, and what you can do? Some, some, in some roles, yes. Uh, don't get me wrong. Numbers are important because in the NFL, there's a certain, there's a certain base, you know, a certain speed that you better be close to it. If you're not, I don't care that, that that's, but my point was, don't let the number be the determining factor. I got that from Woody Hayes. Woody Hayes said to me, you know, coach, he said, I, I never saw a weightlifter that was a football player. He said, but I saw a lot of football players that got better lifting weights. He said, don't let a number be the deciding factor. So when I went out to Texas Tech, and I'm the only coach that went, I wouldn't only scout, but I'm the only coach. And, te- and Zach Thomas was five ten and a half, and he weighed 223 pounds. Well, that's not exactly great linebacker size. But I didn't care. I knew. I just and I watched I watched these films. I knew he was good. I loved them. And so he should go in the Hall of Fame. He should go in. He he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He's, he was a league leader in tackles, he pro bowls. The guys so when I was there, I wouldn't gonna let the number keep me from getting him. So yeah, I did. When I filled out my report, yes. And he, he talked about it in the book. He was interviewed because he, he spilled the beans on me. Because uh, he told me, he said, Coach, you know, when you, I would have to use the bathroom. And he said, uh, I looked at your my sheet and you kind of changed some things. He said, I did 22 bench presses and you gave me 24. I said, I don't care. I'm going to get you. You're coming to Miami. I said, I don't care what it takes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lie, but I'm not going to lose you. So, if I have to give you an inch, I'm going to give you an inch. I didn't care. And the, so, you, you can do that with the guys that are really good. You, know, you just you just get a feel for it, and uh, yeah, they have a base number. Of course, they do. If they don't, they wouldn't even be be in the in the running. But, I mean, a guy like Larry Izzo. I mean, there's probably nobody that came from a point of obscurity to a point of prominence more than he did. I mean, I, I mean, he's five nine and a half, and he weighed two hundred thirteen pounds. And he's a linebacker. He played thirteen years. Right. He went to four Pro Bowls. And he, he has three strength, three or four Super Bowl rings. You know, he could play nice coordinator with the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, but but in the roles that I knew I wanted him. Right. I knew he'd be perfect. Could he go in there and play middle linebacker for us? No. No, no, no. Can he be a special teams player? Yes. Especially back in those days when the game was so different. Then, then, it, then it was easy. So that's that's my thought with the numbers. 
can you just get away from it? No, you cannot. Can you just rely on it? Nah, come on. You got to make sure. You got to make sure who you're playing because those guys should play on Saturday. As great as that game is, that's the grown men play on Sundays, and you better make sure you know the difference. You know, talking about guys that look great as weightlifters, but they're not necessarily football players. Vernon Golston is a great example. Like in my head, the guy was a monster at the combine. But as far as using that technique and that ability, he didn't, I mean, obviously he didn't pan out with the Jets or, or didn't catch on elsewhere. I'm sure he was a very hard worker, but, you know, he was. lifting weights doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, doesn't mean that you're going to be successful on the field of battle. I mean, you're there I, and you hope it translates, but it doesn't necessarily have to. I wasn't, I wasn't there that off season that he was drafted. That's the year that I had the medical leave of absence. And I wasn't there. Now, I came back during that season when they brought me back uh, after they had drafted him. I believe if I had been there, because Eric used to, you know, he would ask me to help him on some tough calls. And I, I'm quite certain I would have not done it. But I, but I liked Vernon a lot. But there was a role that he had to be in. I think the part in the book that I talked about Vernon Goldston is one of my favorite stories that I, I lived. I really felt for him. Uh, because, you know, when you're a, when you're the sixth pick taken at six player taken in the draft and you're struggling that locker room can be a lonely place it's a lonely place and i felt for him and i told you there was that snowstorm and i i went to that diner and you know i'm sitting in there by myself and that guy comes in and talking to me the, the owner of the place he said coach you're sitting in vernon goldson's seat <laughs> excuse me he said yeah he comes in here during the season and eats dinner here by himself almost every night that just killed me so I said, okay, I'm going to find a place for this guy. And I put him on a kickoff team. Now, at that time, we had number one kickoff team in the NFL. I mean, we were good. We were really good. And I put him, because I used to flip-flop the team, and we would kick to a corner. And I put him on the side we were kicking to. And I said, you just control this small area. And I used the example. I said, you got to see yourself as a security guard. You don't have to cover the whole lobby. You just got to cover the elevator door. He wasn't good at it. He was great at it. But what I did, I shrunk what he had to do. Now, could he do that on defense? No, that's not going to happen for him. It just didn't. But for that little tiny thing, I felt really good because it, it gave him a, a it gave him something to be proud of. You know, he could sit in a meeting and he could hear something good for a change because it was tough. You know, he just. Um, he shouldn't have been taken with the sixth pick in the draft. It just should have never happened that way. Plain and simple. But I'm glad I found a little solution that. to help him. Do you think they set him up for failure with that? Obviously, yeah. getting drafted so high, you, a lot of expectations on you, uh, and you may not be able to live up to those expectations. Uh, I can definitely understand what you're saying. I'm dealing with that at work right now where one of my soldiers, he's kind of been having a rough spot over the summer where he just keeps to can't get anything right keeps messing up and he's getting down on himself and he came into my office the other day kind of down about it and he was telling me like hey this i, I don't know if i deserve what i'm getting and I, I i took him to the side i said listen kid if i thought you didn't deserve what you're getting right now then you wouldn't get it i said we all make mistakes i said uh you need to if if, if we if we take away what we're giving you right now then what are you going to continue to fight for so you got to get it and make it and correct it. That's it. You you might feel weird doing it, but you're gonna do it, and then you'll be better for it. I'm not I'm not gonna pound on you. You, you feel bad. I'm not gonna make you feel worse. Sure. I think with with Vernon, I talked to 
Eric Mangini before I, when I was doing the book and I was writing that part and I talked to him and I said, Eric, take me through. Why did you draft this guy there? And he told me, he said, and I have a lot of respect for how Eric Mangini worked in the draft. He did a good job. You look at the players he brought in. He brought some, he brought some good football players into that team. He really did. Um, he said that he said he checked all the boxes. He checked all the boxes, Mike. He said we just watched them. And what I'm convinced, and I believe I could have helped them with it, is that they gave too much credence to the fact that he was playing at Ohio State. Good competition, but it's not the NFL. It's just not. And also, don't forget, there's times in college now with that wide hash that you can only you get on that sideline. You only got to defend a little tiny cracker box area. And I think that's when Vernon kind of shined. And I think that's the mistake that they made. So, um, I, but I believe it was definitely a mistake. But the kid's a good kid. He worked hard. And um, I, I, I'll never have anything bad to say about him. It just was, if he had been taken where he should have gotten taken, I think everybody would have looked at his career as being, being pretty solid. So, but when you're in the sixth pick in the draft, guys, I mean, you got you got to jump off the page. Or a lot of people are in trouble. Yeah, a lot of people are in trouble. TJ, you had a question about Larry Izzo, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, a story a couple of years ago, I believe it was Wes Welker that let it out, uh, came out that Bill Belichick gave Larry Izzo the game ball for, unbeknownst to anybody on the team, uh, out of sight of all the cameras and everything like that, he got away with taking a dump on the sidelines. And he got the game ball. And Wes Welker said, he goes, he, he's not even going to be mad at me. I, I guarantee you that's on his mantle. He's proud of it. I mean, his dumps are legendary. Um, <laughs> obviously, a, we know. I that, hate to admit it. I'm gonna, I can't. I'm laughing. So I, I think you know that I, I know that I know the story. <laughs> and there's, there's truth to the story. They formed a circle with some towels and, and he was able to. Take care of some business, but yes. And, uh, uh, I, mean, I think to me that just further. Sorry that you know that. I didn't know many people knew that. Oh, yeah. That that had me cracking up. And <laughs> I, it just furthers that, you know, pro athletes, especially people that play contact sports like football, are just like a crazy breed. Uh, <laughs> you just got to be a certain level of crazy. Uh, my question was, and you don't have to say what the who the player was or who – I. What's the craziest thing you've seen, you know, around a practice facility or on the football field that's just like, dude, what's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, that's that that's a tough one. Craziest thing. Oh, I saw lots of crazy things. <laughs> um, I saw actually one of the one of the players during one of the games when it was real cold that they kept telling him, you know, he had these like uh do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Well, they were like, uh, like not sweatpants, but like a rain-type pant. And they told him, they said, now be careful. You know, if he got right by the fire, 
caught the whole pants on fire. He was like on fire. They were throwing water and gathering. <laughs> he was caught on fire. I mean, not just a little bit. His whole pants were like burning. He was caught on fire. So that was that was a pretty crazy thing. And then, oh, but there was just so many stuff that that had happened. Uh, I, the one I, I really did enjoy writing about was the uh, Justin Miller uh, thing with with Rex Ryan when when. <laughs> Because you know, he, he got in a fight with Wayne Hunter. And the one person you don't want to fight is Wayne Hunter. I mean, if if I had to pick one person in my entire career that I'd say the one guy that you don't want to fight, I, the, the number one guy, I, I'd pick Wayne Hunter. Because, oh, my gosh, was he tough. And he and he had a mean streak. You know, he could hurt you. And then he'd be the nicest man, a good guy. But he'd lose that temper. He told Justin Miller, you know, they were going to think it was Thanksgiving Day, and uh, uh, Brian Schottenheimer, we had had some penalties. So he wanted to, you know, get a little tough on him. And so anybody that got a penalty in practice, they had to run a lap. Now I think that's a big mistake because you're running a lap while your team's running plays. You know, I mean that would never happen for my period. You know, if I, you might be running after practice until I got tired, but you're never going to run during one of my periods anyway. So he takes off, and Justin Miller's kind of making fun of him. So Wayne tells him. In no uncertain terms, how he should shut up. And I mean, Wayne could be very clear with that message. <laughs> but then about two minutes later, he gets another penalty. Now Justin keeps it up. Now Wayne goes after him, and they start to fight. Well, of course, thank goodness the players got it broken up pretty fast, or Justin would be dead. Well, he'd be going to the funeral. He'd have killed him. But then it, it's not 10 minutes later, and it happens again. Oh, no. And now Justin says something, and Wayne just stops. And he says, after practice, I'll find you in the locker room. He said, and nobody here can stop me. Nobody. And he just took off on his lap. And I'm standing with Rex. And I went, you got to get on top of this. <laughs> this guy's serious. But Rex called Justin Miller over and told him, he said, you, you, are you crazy? He said, I'm going to tell you what to do. Go in the locker room right now. Do not take a shower. Leave your equipment on. Get in your truck and drive home. He said, I better see you driving out of that lot in one minute. He said, don't come back till tomorrow. Well, about two minutes later, I see him with his helmet on driving his truck <laughs> on Thanksgiving Day. And nobody said a word to him. Everybody was like, next day, you're a smart man. <laughs> I, it's funny, like. That had me laughing right out the gate. And then you just back it up with answering the question that, as most guys would have, is like, oh, you had to catch crap for, you know, driving out of the facility with your stuff still on, running away from a fight. And it's just like you answer that question like, uh-uh, everybody knew. Like, that was the best thing you could have done. A lot of them were so happy that they didn't want to have to get in the middle to try to break it up. You, don't, you never know who he'd turn on. He right. could. Ooh, he was just tough as nails. Oh, my I can goodness. still see him drive Thanksgiving Day, driving out of the parking lot in his equipment. It was all-time classic. <laughs> only, well, some maybe only in the NFL. Only in the NFL. So <laughs> we had lots of them. We, we had lots. Lots of stories. <laughs> That's uh, speaking of fights, uh, over the summer, there's been a – yeah, from what I understand, uh, Coach Sala put out something along the lines that his rule was you can fight, don't throw punches. Now, from what <laughs> I understand, a lot of punches have been thrown this summer. Now, uh, us as fans and the media may not know what the repercussions of those 
thrown punches are. But if you were the coach and you had a rule, like, hey, listen, we can fight. I remember Rex's rule was don't pull your own teammate off the fight. Pull the other guy's teammate off the fight. Right, so that if right. somebody swings, you're holding their guy and he gets hit, not our guy. But Correct. If, you're, if you're the coach, let's say you're Robert Sala today uh, uh, and, and somebody breaks your rule and you say no punches and they break your rule. What, what are the ramifications? For I'm not going to say I, I can't do that. That's just not in my makeup. I can't say no punches. Okay. I'm going to say, look, I'm going to really discourage it, and we're going to talk about it. And that's not, it's not. You want to be competitive, not combative. There's a big difference. You know, you want to win. I mean, when we, I, I used to love to go against other teams because my goal was plain and simple. I, I wanted to beat the hell out of them. I mean, you know, I, it's in the book. Kerry Glenn, that I used to play for me at Miami. Al Davis called off the practice over in Tokyo Gatorade. because he threw. You know, we ran this guy and threw him over the Gatorade table. Al Davis took he took his whole team off the field, took him off the field. But see now, Coach Shula was smart. See, Coach Shula was a smart guy. We were watching the film late that afternoon before dinner. See, at night when you used to have those overseas games, they gave the players some time off at night because they wanted to have a reasonable schedule. Because you know we were gone for seven or eight days. All right, and so um, Coach Shula's in with me watching the special teams tape, and I had those two guys, Lewis Oliver and Kerry Glenn who are so tough guys. I mean, they're both. But they're the best that ever did it. And uh, they, this kid from Oakland, they got up there, and, and uh, Al Davis said to the kid, uh, whatever his name was, I forget, he said, see what that little guy can do. Because Lewis Oliver's like 6'3", and Kerry Glenn's like you know 5'3", or something. He's a little guy. But he's built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, uh, of course, he runs into him, and he throws him down the ground, and he says, do it again. And that's when I got involved, because I asked Al, I said, I said, I used to call him Coach Davis because I knew him pretty well. He offered me three jobs. I said, Coach, you want to go with the little guy again? He didn't think that was too funny. But. <laughs> <laughs> so he did, and they threw him on the ground. Al Davis got mad and took his team off the field, took them off. So now we're watching the film. Coach Shula, see, he can get smart. He was smart. He's watching the film, and, I mean, they're loving it because I mean, our, our guys are tough, and they grab this kid, and they run him through their bench, through their sideline, and they throw him. And the Gatorade's flying up in the air, and the table's over. This guy's like laying there like this. And it shows Al Davis taking the team off. Coach Shula starts to there, and he's starting. He's starting. He turned and he said, Mike, turn off for a minute. And he said to the guys, he said, uh, he said, you want to play here? That's how I want to play football. He said, I want to be the toughest team on the field. He said, okay, see you tomorrow. Have a good time tonight. Oh, my God. They jumped up out of those seats. Because now they have all night off. They were so fired up. We used to call it that he knew how to drop. He knew how to drop a book. Like he could, you know, if you drop a book on a table, you know, it makes a big noise. He knew how to do that. And that team jumped up out of there. They were so fired up. He said, that's how I want to play. <laughs> and he, then he would look at me and he'd smile. You know? Just so, give me that little smile and he'd walk away. So he was pretty smart. He's a pretty smart coach. We have some uh, we have some commentary, some comments. Uh, uh, Anthony, our our, our co-host, uh, saying, "Hey, Coach Rook here. Thanks for joining us again. Sorry I couldn't make it. Love the book. Loved reading about your path to the NFL. You met and worked with some great college coaches." And then he asked, "Which college coach had the most impact on you? Woody Hayes, Bear Bryant, Lee Corso?" Probably Lee Corso because in fact I actually worked with him. You know, I was with him for a couple of years, so he did. But the, 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 the thing I, I picked up a great lesson from Woody Hayes, but the opportunity to sit with Bear Bryant, you know, as he was getting old and, 
you know, he couldn't get around very well. And we're walking into campus. And he asked me if he said, can we stop for a minute? And we honest to goodness, we sat down on a curb under a big tree in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, in the middle of the campus. He said, you know, I get tired, coach. I, I just get tired. I think he died about a year later, maybe not even a year later. And, uh, and then he gave me that advice about don't be afraid to change. He said, and I, I, I know specifically what he was talking about, what he did when he finally changed. And, uh, and it was just incredible advice. So, you know, to me to have an opportunity to, to sit with someone like that, 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 it resonated. And then the last thing he told me, he said, look, the better the player, the harder you should push them. Pushing. He said, the real good ones want to be coached. He said, don't worry about being the most popular coach. He said, be the, be the best one. And I, what I had a thing is I used to think that I used to tell myself, I want to be the most popular coach on Monday. When I'm sitting in a film room and I'm looking at you, Nick, and I'm watching the film and you're playing for me, and I'm saying, and I'm showing you, I got a laser, and you, I said, Nick, that's a hell of a play, buddy. I said, that's the way you're supposed to play. See, that's when I went. On Thursday, you might have wanted to kill me. But on Thursday, I was all over you. Because you could do anything right on Thursday. But I didn't care about being popular on Thursday. I wanted to be popular on Monday. And I kind of got that from uh, from Bear Bryant today. The church just did my my hour and a half time with him. But Lee Corso, because he gave me a chance and I was with him, if I had to pick one, it, Lee gave me an opportunity um, when I didn't have one. And that was pretty cool that he did that. Former Florida State player and coach. Yes, he was. Yeah. Go Knowles. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, of coaches, uh, one part of the book I absolutely loved, I've never heard this perspective before. But I absolutely loved it, and I can't recall which coach it was. But you said that you hope that the, it, when when we all live our lives and we pass into the, <laughs> the great unknown, that we're all given the opportunity to come back to one moment in our life. And your moment was, I want to punch that coach square in the face. <laughs> and and I absolutely love that guy. I, you know what, coach? You know there there are moments as, that we as men. Uh, we look back on and and I think there's moments in our lives where we all show great restraint, where where we've been disrespected as as not only individuals but as men. Because you know, I, I mean, it may be fading somewhat in the year 2022, but as men, we have individual rules, guy laws, if you would call it that. And and that man violated the the man code. Sure he did. And and sure disrespected did. you to a level. And I gotta say. Round of applause for Coach for not just decking him and maintaining his professionalism. You know, when it happened, you know, I'm just a young guy, and I'm looking for a job. I'm at the uh, coaches' convention, the uh, AFCA, the American Football Coaches Association. It was in uh, it was in Hollywood, Florida, at the Diplomat Hotel, and um, I, I have been at the University of Dayton, and they were dropping from a Division One to a Division Three, and I needed a job. So I had a month left on a contract. I was making eleven thousand dollars, but you know that's my first job. And uh, so I had an interview with uh, Earl Bruce. He was the head coach at Iowa State at the time, and, and he had three openings. And he, I met him in the lobby and you know talked to him. I had my briefcase full of resumes. You know how you do when you're trying to get a job. And we had a good talk. And and he and said, "Well, I'm going to go up to his room." And he had a blackboard. And we were going to play cross football and interview me. And then he saw a friend that was, I guess, an old uh, NFL scout. And he said he wanted to spend some time with him. Well, I said, sure. He told me to wait right there. And I did uh, for nearly four hours, almost four hours. And uh, he had gone and had a few drinks with this guy and came back. And uh, 
Uh, come on, let's go up to the room. We'll talk to her. Walk up to the room. We get down to the door. And he opens the door. And he steps in and he turned to me and he said, uh, you know, before I could interview you, I really need to talk to some people in my state that are coaches from, you know, Iowa, I guess. Don't ask me. Um, he said, before I do that. And then he just closed the door right in my face. Closed right in my face. So, you know, what, what am I going to do? I, I didn't know what to do. I went back to my room. I put my jogging. I ran. I took off and I ran along the beach, you know, and I, and I went back to the hotel and I went up to the weight room and I was working out. And there was a little sauna in the corner. I went to sauna and sat in there and uh, uh, Frank Cush was in there, head coach at, at Arizona State at the time. And we got talking and he said that he remembered me from playing because we had played them in college. I'm not so sure he did to tell the truth, but he was being kind. And uh, we got talking and he was asking me about what happened and da, 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 da. And, you know, he didn't like what had happened. He was pretty upset about it. And he told me, he said, you know, someday I'm going to have a job. He said, I'm going to have one. He said, I know who you are. He said, I'll call you. He said, I, I'm not going to promise you'll get the job, but I'll call you. Well, six years later, he called me and hired me with the Baltimore Colts. That's how I got in the National Football League. But then I did a thing where, I mean, I'm Catholic, and I kind of believe in this, that, you know, that there is some type of life maybe out there at the end. And that maybe I'd get a chance, you know, where maybe St. Peter might, you know, he might, we might send you, you want to go back somewhere for a couple hours? I'm going back in that hall. And I'm going to beat the hell out of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, I'll still be happy. But back then I could have done with my eyes closed. I could do it today with my eyes closed. But, you know, that's just, uh, cause it was, it was crummy what he, you know, and, and, I'm, and he ended up being a good coach and I'm sure he's a good man, but that wasn't a good thing to do, period. And I don't care who knows it. Now, when you when you if you do it, then then you know if I did something like that, I'd, I'd be ashamed. So he should be ashamed. And he's fortunate that he didn't get his little ass kicked. But that's what he deserved. But you know, he's older now. What are you going to do now? But I wrote about it. But that's the truth. And it's yeah. amazing that as as hurt as I was, that led to me getting in the NFL. Right. Crazy. And that's how I got in. Frank Cush. And he remembered it. He said, remember what I mentioned? He said, I told you I'd call you. So now I got all, he had all these jobs. He didn't know which one. He said, look, I need a, I need a strength coach. I need a special teams coach. I need a tight ends coach. I need somebody to help with the offensive line. I need somebody to help me out. I said, okay, I can do them all. He started to laugh. He said, ah, you can't do them all. I said, yes, I can. You know, all right, we're going to find out. He said, if I can't, then I'm going to fire you. <laughs> so I took a chance. And that's how I got in the NFL. That's how I got in the NFL. That's, well, that's how I did it. That's that's kind of like the, the the duality of man right there. You have one man that that to me that's dishonorable to sit there and waste your time for for four and a half hours or however long it was. And then you have yeah. another man that remembers six years later that he made a promise and he kept his word. Uh, uh, that's a man's man right there. Where you, hey, I, that's how I, I feel. One day I'm gonna that's have how I feel for you. And, and, I, and I, 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 I love NFL, him for it. I always will. Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I think, I think that's all you can ever hope for is, is at the end of it all. And I always tell the guys, like, I'm, I'm in the Army, so I always tell my soldiers, I said, no matter how many awards you get, there are really only two awards that really amount to anything once we leave this organization. That's the Medal of Honor because your kid can go to West Point or Annapolis for free and you don't need a recommendation from a senator <laughs> or a congressman. I said, in a Purple Heart because you can get some VA disability for, for that. You know, uh, I said, but ultimately, all that matters is at your retirement, A, you hope people go because they want to honor you. And you hope that they say you were a man's man, you were a soldier's soldier, and they took care of you. you. You cared about the guys. That's all you really care. Like at the end of my career, if guys look back and they go, you know what? He was a jerk, but he was our jerk, and he took care of us. <laughs> That's I'm a good way. Of- Thank you. I, I totally agree. I think it's a it's a good way to look at it. And I, I, I can see uh, – I would imagine that the guys that, that are serving under you uh, would, would resonate from that. I, I, I think that's a good way to, way to, way to have it. So it's pretty cool. That you, I, I didn't know you were – that you were in the military. That's pretty cool. You moved, you moved up a little bit now, Mike, but I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I have uh, tremendous respect. I have tremendous respect. I'm a little, I'm a little bit disappointed sometimes in your commander in chief, but, but I like you guys. From every now and now, I just get a little nervous about them. But, but yeah. you guys, God bless you. I think it's great. Thank you very much, Coach. Speaking of, uh, of military service, I wasn't aware that uh, Coach Ben Kotwika. Served yeah. in the United States Army and went to West Point. West, I was sure. reading the book and I sat there. And it, to me, like uh, as a service member, it kind of gave me a sense of pride. Like, oh wow, we one of us made it. We made it. Oh, <laughs> uh, he was. Ben was, was a you know he was a he, he was a West Point grad. Um, you know, was a captain of their football team, played linebacker, and then he he served uh, he, when he got out of the military. Um, he became a pilot. He became a, a, a helicopter pilot and flew the attack helicopters. And he served in, uh, so he was in Bosnia, he was in Korea, and of course he was in, uh, um, he was in the Mideast, both Afghanistan and uh, Iraq. So yeah, he was, he showed me one night real late, I, I can't tell the whole thing, I'd hate to kill me if he's, I told the whole story, but of a clip of, of from one of his helicopters. Oh my goodness gracious. Wow. I mean, those guys are tough. We, our, 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 our military is tough. They're, they're, they're good. And he was right in the middle of it. He commanded, I think he commanded 40 soldiers over in Iraq. He, yeah, he was in charge of 40 guys. He, he was, And he worked with me for all those years. We had a great relationship. He was a good man. I, I really liked him and trusted him. And, and we were really good. It was fun. But uh, And he had a lot of that little military things that he would, he would bring up. You know, he always had that little military stuff. I used to get a kick out of it. It was fun. He still does. I, he's, a, uh, he's up at the Minnesota Vikings right now. Mm-hmm. So I get a chance. I talk, I talk to him oh, every few weeks. We get a chance to talk. I, I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah, Ben Kotwika, good man, military yeah. guy. Yes, sir. Reed. Yeah, being a being a, I would imagine that you know the leadership that we learn in the military would would, would kind of melt into being an NFL coach pretty well, uh, especially when you talk about the toughness, the mental toughness, uh, right. as well as the physical toughness. It goes through a lot. I mean. I I think you know the physical toughness is is easy for me. You know, uh, I, I was uh, I was in the gym today, and I, I have arthritis in my knees at this point. 
Um, and uh, I was talking to my trainer and, and I said to him, I said, every so often I go to the gym, my arthritis hurts or like I'll pull something a little bit and I'll stretch it out and then I keep going and he'll look at me and go, you're clearly hurt. How do you keep going? I said, I used to go to the gym on base. And one day one of the veterans walked in and he only had one leg and he had one, another leg made out of carbon. T, I think you've actually seen that guy when mm-hmm. we used to go to the gym together. Yep. He, he had one leg made out of carbon fiber and he had a Ranger uh, tab stamped into it with some infantry rifles. And he's in the squat rack putting up more than TJ and me put together. If that guy could do it on one leg, I can do it on two broken legs. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's my mindset, you know, it's a, uh, that's it's a, mental, it's, it's a mental, how you have to look at it. That's how you look at it. Ben, Ben, ben brought a lot of that, uh, I really enjoyed it. Actually, the part that he was interviewed for in the book, he did a very nice job. He did a good job with it. The way he, you know, when he was interviewed, how he described getting on the plane, you know, and then the drawing that I would do. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. He did a nice job with all that. So, yeah, we have a, we had a great relationship. It was so, and we were good. <laughs> it was kind of fun because we were good. So it made it fun. So, speaking about, you know, kind of men being men and, um, so when you were palling around with your son, I think he was four at the time, and that kind of led you down your long journey of, uh, you know, injuries in and out of the hospital, mm-hmm. dealing with your medical conditions and stuff like that. Uh, and you were a very young man at the time um, when that happened. Were you? Uh, did you fall into the category of like the typical guy, especially athletes? We kind of faint away from going to see the doctor regularly because we don't want to hear any bad news, and we always assume <laughs> the worst. So I think, and I think a lot of guys fall into that, especially athletes. They don't want to know about their own mortality. Were you before that a guy that kind of feigned away from going to the doctors and get regular right. checkups? Before, absolutely, I was. Yes, I was. I was exactly like that. I, I really never thought that I, you know, I always felt pretty good. I, I didn't smoke. I, I don't. I drink a little bit. I don't drink very much. Um, I, I lived a pretty healthy lifestyle. I would work out. I used to jog. I lifted weights. You know, I, I, I did things. Well, no, I wasn't a big doctor guy. I really wasn't. No, I, yeah, I, I, I'm probably like you. I shied away a little bit, and then all of a sudden, you know, I've got this leg that hurts. You know, something's not right, and uh, and I got it examined. The next thing you know, I went through a boom. And here, all of a sudden, I here all of a sudden I have bone cancer, and you know, and how the hell did that happen? And that changed my life and everybody's life. But you know, that's what we we don't get a whole pass in this life. You know, nobody just hands you and gives you one. So here's a whole pass that to get through life. You don't get that. You know, you've got to figure it out, make the best you can out of it. And there's, there's two things I think by, by that, you know, you can make the best, make the best of it, which kind of means sometimes you just tolerate it or you make the best out of it. You say, okay, this is what I can do. Maybe I can't do everything, but I'm sure as heck going to do this. I'm going to push it and, and try to see how far you can take it. And so, you know, and I just don't think I, I did too much more than hundreds and hundreds of cancer patients that I've seen. I just was in a, you know, more a more visible uh, visible spot where people could see it. But you know, I figured it out. I just you know, I had to use I had to wear a leg brace, that big full leg brace, and it was awkward. I had to use a cane. But I used to think to myself, I said, you know, that guy on the other side of the field over there. So he looks over here and he sees Mike. Now back when I was first got in, I was pretty athletic and I could run, I could throw. You know, I used to throw the, I used to throw the receiver drills in the combine. I, I was pretty good. Well, now all of a sudden I'm walking around like an old man with a cane. I used to think, you yeah, see this old guy with his cane? He's going to pick your ass today. So I hope you're ready over there. Because you, you don't look like you're ready. Because you, you don't know what's coming. And that's how, that's how I did it every single time. The problem that I had sometimes, 
is that I had that attitude and it reflected. So a lot of the guys, they, they didn't like me. You know, I wasn't very popular with the coaches. You know, I was probably the, I might've been the best known. I was the least probably liked because they thought I was arrogant or whatever. Cause I was, cause I didn't like them anyway. I'll tell you the truth. But then after I was finished and they got to know me, they thought, well, he's actually a pretty nice guy. And, uh, but that's just the attitude that I developed. And I wanted to try to, like you were talking about, Nick, you know, you just do the best you can with it. And, uh, and keep moving, you know, and that's, that's kind of what I tried. I just tried to do it that way. But that's how I saw it, and I saw myself. So uh, my, my, my sergeant major always tells me, he goes, it's called leadership, not likeship. <laughs> and, and that's I, a good one. That's a, I, I would have used it. I stole that from you. All right. All right. <laughs> and I would have taken credit for it. <laughs> in your next I book, to, I want to let you know. No, no, that's a good one. I think that's a real good one. I like you. You tell them I think it's pretty good. I wish I had heard about it ten years ago. Yeah, it's it's and, and I, it always resonates with me because I, I always tell people, listen, I'm the biggest jerk you'll ever meet, but I'll run through hell for you. But I'll tell you, I hate you on the way. Like, <laughs> and my, I think my soldiers realize that. Like, yeah, I, I don't always have the nicest things to say, but what, if they were in jail, if they were. If they were in trouble, if they were getting hurt or something like that, I'd be the first one down there to help them. I'd let them yes. hear it when I got there, but I'd be there to help. That's what counts. That's what but counts. Le- but, but I leadership definitely something like to say about somebody that gives it to you straight and doesn't sugarcoat it. Not that they're nasty about it or you know demeaning about it, but if you tell somebody straight away, and especially in the game of football where you're all you know alpha males, I'd rather somebody give it to me straight, dead on, you know, no sugarcoating. It is what it is because, I mean, at the end of the day, especially if you're a certain type of player, position player, that's your livelihood. That's your job. Don't sugarcoat it for people. Just exactly what it is, it is. If you suck today, you suck today. If I, I, tell oh, you I believed it. Doing. That's what I believed. I believed on it that very same way, that uh, I was going to be very, very frank and very honest. But yet at the same time, you know, I respected them. And I respected what they did. And I respected who they were. Does that mean I'm going to acquiesce? You know, and I'm going to listen to, I used to tell them, you know, I, I, I had a, a really, really, when I was in New York, I had a really good looking girlfriend and I had a real nice car. I had a Mercedes, an S550. And I said, now when I'm taking her out and I'm in this S550, I'm not going to listen to some of your music. So don't, don't make fun of me. Don't think I'm not, you know, I'm, I respect it. It's, I'm just not going to play it that night. <laughs> I got my own. But, you know, we all kind of have to respect each other. But yet we don't have to necessarily, you know, jump in the bed with someone else. You can still allow to have your individuality. And, and I gave that to them. But I made it very clear that around me, there were certain things that I never would ever accept, ever. I let, I, I'll, I'll tell you one, and I'll be honest about this. Because sometimes guys can get a little bit slang. I let them know, and I would tell them every year, around me, I better never hear anyone ever use the N-word, ever. I said, you think if that's the way you, you believe, if you, that's part of your culture, whatever, you do what you want. I'm okay with that. That's your life. But around me, uh-uh, I, I, I won't stand for it. And I, and I would tell them why. Going back to when I was young and I was in school and what it meant to me. And uh, so I think sometimes there's, there's parameters that, that if we choose to not only live by but work by, then I think we'd all get along better. I think it works out. You just have to be fair. Be fair and be honest. And so in the NFL, you know, when you're dealing with all the egos and the aggressiveness, 
you better you better have a plan. You better have a plan because you, you're gonna you're gonna get challenged. I I, I do want to compliment you. Um, your book is put together very well in a way that it, it just the way you seamlessly go through stories, but also it lends itself to kind of giving you know. I guess a background on you and your characteristics and giving us a little insight about you. And just by reading it, you could tell what kind of you know person you are. At least I think you can. And the one thing that resonates with me is how you always seem to go out of your way to, you know, keep somebody from at least being embarrassed. I think it was, uh, I believe it was Mike Tannenbaum. I think he went after, you know, kind of yelling at one of the doctors in front of you and you kind of covered for him and say, Oh, I wanted to have a discussion with him about, you know, I covered, I lied. I lied right. for him. But it's one of those things where I think that that characteristic, I think anybody can respect just because uh, in the way you conveyed it, it's like obviously Tannenbaum, maybe he's having a bad day, whatever it is. Yeah, it was, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I mean, I was a little tough on Mike at times, but I'm not trying to kill him with that. He just, it it wasn't necessary. And the poor guy was a brand new doctor. And I mean, just, he was really ripped them in front of everybody. You know, and the poor guy, he was just in shock. You know, and, and I, you know, I, I said, Mike, I, I, I grabbed them because I was asking about one of my guys. You know, I made it up. I lied. You know, I, I made it up. And he covered it. It settled down. Mike settled down. It was done. You know, it, it was over. And uh, But it needed it needed a little bit of water on that fire. And I wasn't afraid to throw some on it. And I just, you know, I didn't like it. I wasn't afraid to. And I didn't have to do I didn't embarrass Mike. I did not. I didn't do that. Uh, if he had kept it up, I probably would have. But I didn't have to. But this was- Thank goodness. The way you included stuff like that, just those key things, I mean, just give uh, allude to your character traits, I, I thought was absolutely excellent. Yeah. Thank I, you. Uh, one of the things, again, my sergeant major always says, you know, praise in public, punish in private. <laughs> I mean, I, I, unless I've heard that one before, it's pretty good, though. <laughs> I always tell, I always tell everybody, listen, I don't get mad at people. I only get mad at, and, you know, people think because I'm in the military that I like to scream and curse at people. I'm very loud at work, but I don't like to yell. And when, when somebody is in trouble, I don't curse and I do not yell because where, I, where are you stationed, Nick? I'm stationed in New York city in, in Staten Island. Are you really? Staten yeah, Island. I'm, I'm on a, I'm on active duty for the New York army national guard. So okay. I'm, I'm an active duty soldier assigned to the national guard and I run their day-to-day operations. We actually just got back from a deployment to the middle East. Uh, what was it? 2020. We just got back home. Yeah. So where were you? I, I was in Saudi Arabia for Saudi Arabia. Yeah. For about a yeah, year. Wow. Wow. So, um, but, uh, I, I always tell guys, I, they, my, my soldiers know my, my cues when I'm upset, I get quiet. I, I speak very deliberately. I don't curse and I don't yell because I feel like once you cross that line where now you're yelling at a grown man, now yeah. all, all professionalism is out the window and they can say, well, you disrespected me. So now I'm going to yell back at you. Yeah. That's when it gets crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, I, I used to have a sign in my office that uh, put some space between your anger and your intellect little space in there just a little bit i used to have to do that so i would lose my temper but you put a little space there you can work it out you can work it out i i only ever yell and get angry about about two things the first one is disrespect if you disrespect me or somebody else then i'm going to be angry and and at that point i can't control how that anger is emoted and and the second thing is safety if you do an unsafe act in front of me i might just kick your teeth down your mouth like, you know, like, I'm going to the rifle range this weekend. If I see somebody do something unsafe on the rifle range, I'm going to beat them really badly <laughs> because they put everyone in danger at that point. You know, so I, I got I, you. I understand. I can't yeah, abide you be, my unsafe. 
Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. But other than that, you know, uh, like General Mattis always said, be polite, be courteous, and have a plan to kill everyone in the room. (laughs) Uh, So uh, on on the subject of anger, um, (laughs) kicking people's teeth down their head, um, I I really uh, like the part in the book where you go into the Bill Parcells situation. Um, It's just from the reader's aspect, obviously us, and then from getting your, um, you know, position on it, it's very clear that there was no ill will or ill intent. It's a mistake, maybe, you know, through bylaws or whatever contractual negotiations go on. But obviously you're just going down there to further your career. Possibly you don't know where you're going to be the next season. And that situation happens. Um, You, you, you say uh, it was a letter written to the NFL that was uh, you got a hold of. And obviously, you got a yeah, you had a relationship with the guy and for everything to go down like that and then essentially get accused of cheating um, is one of the worst things that I think, especially as a competitor, you, you can. Yeah, that was tough. It should have it should have never happened, DJ, because we had a good relationship and I was he was kind of I mean, not not in any crazy way, but a little bit like someone I could call and get great advice from. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was great to me over the years. He offered me a couple jobs. Um, it didn't work out, thank goodness, probably, because I probably would have ended up killing each other. But um, I had tremendous respect for him. He's a very bright, bright football coach. He can be miserable, and he can be miserable. Trust me, he should have a T-shirt made where I can be miserable, because <laughs> he is. But but he's he's bright, and he's a good kid. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I was at their practice. I should have not been there. I didn't know it. See, at the time... I was a medical leave of absence. I was completely gone from the New York Jets. They hired a new special teams coordinator. I wasn't in the press guide. My my name wasn't anywhere. I was still under contract. I had a year left on my contract and my insurance and everything. And then it looked like the the original thing was that this surgery would force me to retire, that I would not be able to come back from it. But that's not what happened. That that guy is so bettering. I mean, what he did, I felt better than ever. Well, now I'm walking all around. I'm back in Florida. I'm swimming. And I thought, well, I'm going to go back to coach. I feel great. I was right. I, I was 60 years old at the time, and, or 62 maybe. I forget what I was. And uh, I said, I'll, I'll go back and coach for a little while. And um, so I went over there. I, I, I called I called the uh, Tampa, and I went to see my friend up there and my friend Joe DiCamellis up at the uh, Jaguars. And then I called Bill. And, I, and so we went to, I took my friend who was a neighbor of mine, was a retired policeman. He died drove over. And we had a great day. We had, I sat with Bill, Bill Parcells in his golf cart, watched practice, enjoyed the practice. But see, technically, I wasn't allowed to be there. He didn't know that I was still under contract. He did nothing wrong. I didn't know 
that was my fault. I, I just didn't know. But I mean, I, I one thing for sure, I didn't go over there to hurt anybody. Right. I just watched practice. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, I thanked them. I wrote them a note. I thanked everybody. The Jets signed Brett Favre. Well, now all of a sudden, things begin to change. And they look pretty good. And they came to me. And they said, Mike, you've got to come back. Our special teams aren't where they need to be. We made a mistake. You got to come. And, I, and I, 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 just, I went to see the doctor at Trump Kettering. He told me that he didn't want me to do it. But if I wanted to do it, I could do it. The leg was fine. So I went back. I did not let them fire the guy that they had hired. I told me, if you fire him, I, I won't come to work. I won't do it. I'm going to, so I, they made, I made him keep him and he worked with me. We did fine. We got on great. We did fine. But then Bill writes me a letter because we were going to play the Dolphins that, that I shouldn't be allowed to coach in the game. And I said, well, why? And he called me. He sent me this letter and he wrote the letter to the league and the letter was pretty tough. It was pretty tough. And it was, you know, it basically accused me of being there and not that I was necessarily went there to cheat, but the fact that I was there could lend to that. And uh, I told him that was ridiculous. It's just not, that's, that's crazy. So the NFL came in and investigated me, NFL security. And they, they told me, that they said, Mike, you coach the game. Don't worry about what he says. Said, you didn't do anything wrong. You made a mistake. You didn't do anything wrong. So I felt that if I had not coached the game, I would be admitting that I did something wrong. Right. And so five days before the season started, I went back to work. Five days. Please, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. I'm just trying to figure out where to line them up. And uh, and so that, that was a crummy thing to do. He should have not done that. And I and I was pretty uh, I was pretty poignant in my book about what I thought about. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't care what he thinks and if he and he never he never talked to me against that that the rest of his time. Never. Never. I used to talk to him a lot. And, uh, and it's a shame because I think it destroyed what I believed was a, a solid relationship, not best buddies or something, but, but pretty good that I certainly respected. And it didn't need to end that way. But it ended on a, a very negative. And I, I was the phrase I used in the book. I'm sticking with it. That's what it was. <laughs> I'll let it go. At that. Yep. I'm sticking. Yep. I'm not changing one thing. He's never called me. He would call me. And now uh, you were on the other side of, um, you know, when Spygate happened with uh, the the Patriots and Bill Belichick with the Jets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as fans, I guess we, we get frustrated because uh, obviously having to deal with Tom Brady in the Northeast the whole time and Bill Belichick and all their nonsense. But it's it, – is there a – when you get accused of something like that and then it's found out that, you know, you are guilty of, of what they were doing, essentially filming from a location that they shouldn't have been filming from, um, right. it's as a fan, it seemed like, you know, yeah, with the fines or whatever, it, it still seems like Bill Belichick walked away unscathed. Is there like a, in, in the league, is there fallout just among the front offices and the teams like, uh, kind of as a fan, it's a good question. I, I, no, I, don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think the thing that people know, especially in the business is you see how well he does so many different things. I mean, said, they're, they're very, they're, I, I always felt it was silly, some of the things they did. They didn't need it. They're, they're just a good team. Why are you going to do something like this? You, you don't need that. Um, the one that to me would probably be the most, and I don't know how far it went, to be honest with you, was the, 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 the spy gate. When they uh, were filming the defensive coordinator, 
and then comparing that film with the defense he's calling and then alerting Tom Brady. How far that went, I'll tell you the truth, I don't know. Did it go very far? I, I can't tell you. Could have it, and if it did, it, that could be that could be pretty tough. Um, I don't know how far it went. I really don't. Um, a couple things I do know that happened, you know, the one that happened to me, um, we were playing the Miami Dolphins. And my, one of my very good friends, Jim Mandick, used to play for the Dolphins and played at Michigan. Jim passed a few years back, was my, one of my best friends. Anyway, he was doing the radio. And after the game, he called me. He said, Mike, there's something happening in the game you better get on top of. It's going to come back on you. <laughs> what are you talking about? He said, well, one of the Miami gunners or flyers on a punt was running down. And one of your guys on the sideline was standing there, and he kind of stuck his knee out and tripped him. I went, oh, my God. So I go right immediately. I went right to work that night, got the sideline film and looked it up. Well, here's our strength coach with two of our inactive players dressed like you two guys are dressed, standing there. You know, the three of them look like the three Stooges. And this guy comes out of bounds, and the coach kind of sticks his knee up and trips him. So now it hits the fan. They suspend the coach. They're coming after me because I'm the coordinator. But see, what I used to do is that when the ball was kicked, I would walk down the sideline to the ball and then let it be kicked out away from me, and I would actually walk out on the field. I used to catch all kinds of help. They, 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 some people were going to find me. They never did, though. But because I didn't want to be on the sideline with my leg in 50 million pieces with people running all over, and I didn't want to do that. So I would stay down there and watch everything in front of me. So I had nothing to do with it. I did not. If I had known, I would have stopped it. Okay. In fact, I went to bat for the guy, the coaching, and I actually got him brought back. I got him brought back. Now, eventually, he got released for a totally different situation. But anyway, um, so I said to him, where did you get this stupidity? He said, well, those guys that came from New England said the Patriots do it. Oh, the Patriots. So I get Ben Cott, we get a military guy. We get the film, and we're studying the Patriots. They got the whole team lined up. They look like the Michigan Marching Band. They're all lined. They got everybody lined up. And then we got the Three Stooges, and they're in here talking to me. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So they came in, the NFL came in, and when they saw the film, they were angry. And they went up to New England, and they ripped New England. Boy, they were mad about what they were doing. But then that week, I get a call from a radio station in Chicago uh, doing a story about it. And, and I, I said, look, I said, the strength coach made a mistake. He didn't try to get anybody hurt. He made a mistake. I said, I had nothing to do with it. If I had, I would have stopped it. I said, but if you want to see someone that really knows how to do it, you ought to take a look at that team up north. Now, that's an exact quote. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. I got fined $100,000. Wow. I got smacked. They smacked me. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, how much? <laughs> I made good money, but I didn't make that much. I make hundred k this year, <laughs> and that's it. I got I could find hundred thousand. I was like, damn. Oh my that. goodness. Woody Johnson gave me a little bit of hand on that one. He, sort of <laughs> he covered me up a little bit, and I it was just a stupidity. But to me, they never needed to do any of it. Right. They're they're good. They don't need that. So you know, why would you get involved in that kind of that kind of craziness? You know, to me, I I have a lot of respect for for what they do. But yeah, it, it's always seemed like somebody's headphones went out or somebody's game plan was missing. Or something, and uh, I don't believe that that has anything to do with the reason of their success. I don't believe that. I think it's Tom Brady, Tom Brady, and Tom Brady. Those right. three guys. That's who it was. 
<laughs> That's who, in my opinion, in my opinion. So, Coach, I, I actually think I was at that game where, where the strength coach tripped uh, the Dolphins player. If I remember right, it was raining. I feel like it, it could have been, been. yeah. I, I'm not, I don't remember that exactly. But uh, that's when it happened. It was against the Dolphins at our place. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty <laughs> sure I was there with my sister, actually. Um, it I got squared away. You know, they settled it. it just, it's a shame the guy just made a mistake. But then I'm watching the Patriots, and they got the whole team lined up. I'm like, oh, you worried know, about me. It's so funny you bring that up. I don't ever recall hearing about that. Uh, we kept it. was, And nobody made a big deal out of it. It was on the air. Um, a couple people did it on the air. They had a, a debate. Uh, Dan Marino and Boomer Sison got in a debate about it. Marino backed me. Dan was right. I, I had nothing to do with it. I, I wanted to take a, a lie detector test. I, I would I would argue with Boomer. I'll take the detective test and bet you $100,000. I was going to take all his money because <laughs> I, I really did not do it. I really did not. I mean, I, and now, now when Mike, um, Mike Francesa, I, I got, I got pretty upset with him because he talked about my involvement and then he actually, but Mike, Mike had some guts. Mike came out to our offices and came in with me and he sat down and I showed him the film and we talked about it. And I said, why would you think that I had something to do with this? And he said, well, it's pretty simple. He said, there's not a thing that goes on with special teams that you don't completely run. I said, well, you're pretty smart. I said, you kind of got me there. It's a good point. I said, you kind of, but at least he had the guts. Mike had the guts to come out and talk about it. And then once we, you know, I realized where he was coming from and he saw that and then neither one of us were upset, you know, because I, I understood it. It made sense to me. And I kind of respected that he did that. I really did. I did not respect that other guy, though, I did not. I was upset with that because he, he thought he thought he knew and he didn't know. He didn't Absolutely. Know but that's so uh, that was yeah, that was never a dull moment. <laughs> never a dull moment in that league. Wow. So uh, speaking about Dan Marino, and then also with your time uh, with the Saints, getting to you know be around Drew Brees and and seeing that. Compared to like the 2009, 2010 Jets, where you guys were absolutely stacked all over the field. And you, you talk very candidly about Mark Sanchez, and, and I think you you you're very you know respectful, and you portray him in a very good light. But Mark Sanchez was obviously you, you got what you got out of him. And do you think that that 2009 2010 team was just like a you know top ten quarterback away from getting into the Super Bowl? That's I, I think that would have made it easier. It would have made it easier. I, I like the job that Mark did because Mark fit what we had. And we had a really good offensive line. Don't forget it. The British offense, Nick Mango. Or there's a guy named Alan Fanniket is playing in there. He's got a gold jacket. And Damian Woody. And, you know, and, and oh, by the way, Damian Thomas is carrying the ball. That's a pretty good outfit. And Thomas Jones. Yeah. Raylan Edwards. I mean, come on. And I got an all-star team. And they're, and they're on there. And Rex, you know, there's Rex over there with, with Joe Reeves and, and Antonio Camardi. You know, Jimmy Leonard. Uh, Bart and, and David Harris. Come on now, this is a good football team. Yeah. And Mark fit in with it because our whole thing was what we were what we wanted to do was control the clock. We were going to control the clock. We came up with a I wrote about it in the book, I wrote extensively yeah. about a four-down territory thing. And it really worked. And we kept those good quarterbacks on the bench. And here and Mark was hand and Mark, then when it came to play action, Mark did a good job. Awesome. I liked them. I did. But I think the mistake we made was all of a sudden we gave him the big contract. And now 
you know, now, now we're trying to, you know, turn us into the New England Patriots South Branch. That's not who we were. We were a tough, hard-nosed football team. It could run the ball, play good defense, play good special teams. And we weren't maybe the sexiest team, but nobody wanted to play us because we could beat you up. We were tough. I think and, we had, and we had good guys. You tell me if you go back to those days, if you can remember one off-the-field incident that was disgraceful or derogatory toward our organization. Yeah, I'll bet you can't remember one because no. we didn't have them. That, we had good guys. That, as a Jet fan, I mean, those are my fondest two years by far because we were just stacked, and it was just a from defense to offense to special teams. It was a smack you in the mouth aggressiveness that was just yes. like, wow. Look, look at yes. this team right now. And I agree. It, it kind of just culminated almost out of nowhere, just like, who are these guys? Who's this guy Rex Ryan walks in the door, and all of a sudden we got this team together, and it's just one person after the other just doing their job at an elite level. I mean, like, talk about a team that went from, you know, somewhere middle of the pack to excelling in almost every aspect of the game. It we were good. We, we were good. It was fun. I think if we had kept up, and I know we, the, the salary cap stuff, guys, I think we lost 14 players or something like that. And that, and that uh, lockout thing really hurt us. That hurt us a lot. Um, we started losing those guys. And we kept, if we could have kept that team together, and added a couple, maybe a guy here or there, maybe an extra pass rusher. And we tried Jason Taylor in one year, but, you know, Jason was starting to run out of gas a little bit. And then maybe the quarterback thing a little bit, but uh, it was a fun team to be around. It was fun. Because, you know, you go into that other stadium, and they they, they didn't really want to play the New York Jets because the Jets, Jets could beat you up. We were tough. And the fans, I used to love it. And I loved being in New York. The fans were the greatest. And they, they were excited. They had fun, you know, they, they, they all kind of just blended in. It blended in. I remember one time in the winter between those two years, I was, uh, I met my, my girlfriend. She lived in Long Island and she would come in. We met her at Penn Station and we were going to dinner and we're standing in front of, you know, Madison Square Garden to catch a cab. It was cold. It was, yeah, I had a top coat on. It was cold. These guys, it was a Friday night and these guys came by and, you know, they'd been out since work, you know, so they'd, they'd been out having a few drinks. They recognized me. And they started talking, hey, coach, how are you doing? We, so I said hello, and we talked for a minute. And the one guy said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm, I'm standing in line to get a cab. I'm with you. What do you think I'm doing? And he said, why are you getting a cab? Why aren't you in a limo? I said, no, no, no. The Giants ride around in a limo. See, I'm at the Jets. We take cabs. We're like real people. Well, they loved it. Those guys loved it. And I just was laughing. You know, it made me laugh. And I said, no, I'm just like with the Jets. We get, we're like real people here. We get cabs. So I loved that mentality. I loved it. I felt like I was a part of it. You know, I felt like I fit right in. So to me, I used to love to go into Manhattan. I loved the restaurants, the people, and we had a special thing going. It was going. And then it got, you know, the air went out of the balloon. It was terrible. And and, and, it, and it's never really gone, gone, gone back. It really never has. Hopefully it will, but it has not yet. So at that time, come on, it's one of the Greatest times of my life. I'm with you. I had a ball. I that loved it every second. Well, the, these two guys right here, they, they really enjoyed <laughs> that time way back when. <laughs> That's me and TJ back when we were young. And what was that? It's got to be like 12 years ago or something like that. More. I got a Mark Sanchez jersey on. Yep. That was <laughs> yeah, uh, 2009, I 2010. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, those, <laughs> those, those were, those were the, the days. Of it. 
Those were the days. De- look, TJ oh. didn't have a beard yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was still semi skinny. I didn't have to cover the jowls with the beard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that so was a great. It was a great time and a, and a great football team. A lot of fun to be a part of. Absolutely. So, Coach, uh, we, we talked about it with your re- rehabilitation and uh, with your with your leg and all. You, you have a, a good sizable chunk of the most. Uh, it's I believe it's the most dense and strongest piece of metal on the elemental table, and and you've broken it twice. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, Coach? They, <laughs> TJ and I were trying to catch sharks on my boat. I broke parts where they where they kind of come together. Like a like like a, you know, like a joint. That's where I broke. I didn't break right through the the thickness of the metal, but okay. Um, I I believe this, and and, and I, I don't know. I, I talked to the guys that do this stuff, and they never quite totally agree with me. All of our, I think, our bodies are each one chemically totally totally independent. Our chemical makeup and our so what works for you maybe doesn't work for maybe your parents even or your mom is a drug. It just doesn't. And I think for some reason, I looked at one time, one of my x-rays of one of my graphs, and it looked like the metal had like been in the bottom of the ocean. You know, it looked like it had just kind of died. How the heck did that happen? And so I believe sometimes maybe I'm, I'm a little tougher or a little bit more tough on uh, some of the metal parts than I, than I maybe wish I would uh, have. But uh, I just had an x-ray a couple weeks ago and sent it up to the doctor. Matter of fact, I was in New York. And with and got an X-ray up there and went into Sloan Kettering and had a chance to talk with him and uh, it looked great. It looked good. But what he's done is he kind of simplified. He took away a lot of the moving parts and now I have these big big pieces. So you know what I have looks like you could use for your car. You get a bumper jack for your car. Use my leg. You'll hold it right up. No trouble. <laughs> yeah, we so. were joking around about at like at that point in the book because we were just discussing it back and forth. Uh, amongst us and we said you're like man he's got a piece of metal in his leg that they used essentially to build a, a spaceship for re-entry that's into right the, that's the correct atmosphere you're right and, and coaches ripping it up left and right i was like wow. well the guy the guy the, the guy named uh, troy hershberger who's the head of their that department um oh he just was sick he said he said how, how, how what do you mean you broke it he said you broke it. how could that happen he said he said that's impossible no, it's not impossible. You better take a look. This snapped in half. So they, I, I've kind of been a little bit, uh, I don't know. I, I live a normal life. You know, I, I, I'm pretty, for my age, I'm 74. I go, I was, matter of fact, I was on my boat today. I go shark fishing in the uh, Gulf. And I, I, I spend most of the winter, I go out in Jackson, Wyoming, and go snowmobiling. And so, and then I go kayaking on a Snake River. So I live a pretty crazy life. But uh, I just feel like I'm going to keep going and keep pushing it. I'm going to keep doing it until I can't do it. And then, then I'm just going to just fade away, but I'm not going to stop. That would be my question is, I mean, a- anybody else that's had these type of surgeries where they had to graft metal into their uh, bones and stuff like that. Do you think that it, the expectation as the doctor is that you're going to kind of slow down in life? And in sure. your case, you just kind of sped it up and like, Hey, I'm not stopping. <laughs> he just looks at me and shakes his head. He shakes his head. <laughs> but his goal, he's such a genius. He's so good. And his whole thing is, my goal as a doctor is to be able to help you live your life. Now, your life is in quotes, and we're all different. Yep. We're all different. Now, mine's not quite as crazy as it, as it used to be, but you know, I'm, I'm still not afraid to try to do things. Um, and so that, that I think, is a good goal. So, yeah, the fact that maybe I, that happened to me, I don't know. I, I just, I mean, right now, I, I looked at the other day, 
when I was in New York, I was just there a couple of weeks ago and I was over at Sloan and I was pretty proud. It looked good. I mean, I, I well, when they take the x-ray, before they send them in a computer, I just go in. And the technician was like, uh, sir, you're not allowed to be in here. I, I've been in here a thousand times. I'm coming. So just move. Let me look. And I, I put my glasses on so I can see. And I look at the x-ray. I said, show me the next one. And I can tell. I said, oh, he's going like this. And then I leave. <laughs> at, th at that point, you might have more hours of uh, experience than some of the guys that are looking at the I, abs I absolutely do. I absolutely do. <laughs> I like I, I like. Absolutely. Coach, I really like the part where you were like, I've slowed it down. I'm 74. TJ, when was the last time you caught a shark? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, you guys come to South Florida sometime. You come down here. You come to Fort Myers. You get a hold of me, and I'll take you. You'll have so much fun. You'll have a ball. I don't go way out. I don't. I won't go. I'm, I'm never further than a half a mile from land. I'm usually in ten feet of water, because I, I, I don't. I don't, don't want to go get seasick. You have fun. I mean, it's really fun. I don't, I don't. I catch them and release them. I don't kill them. You know, I let them go. But it's really fun. It's a good fight. You're not way out. You get to go to the best lunch places. I'll, you have a ball. Coach, Come down and go with me. And you'll have a ball. Coach, don't threaten us with a good time. All right. Uh, dinner will be on us at Cabbage Key. You come in, I'll try to guarantee I'll you come here, I'll take you in a heartbeat. You'll love it. Come in the spring. You come in the spring, we'll catch a million. Catch a million. Coach, we're gonna it's hold so much that. fun. My, my my parents live in northern Florida. Southern Florida's not too far away. I'm no, it's not far. You, you get you get over here, I'll take care of it. Have more fun. You don't have to you don't need anything. I got everything. I've got everything. Speaking about that, I, and I know you go into detail in the book about you know you can get uh, bull sharks. The hardest shark you said to catch is the hammerhead, and then you yes. get spinner sharks and stuff. I was just down in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, on vacation with my family, and we saw the spinner sharks jumping out of the water. And that's got to be a fight and a half. Those things can move. Unbelievable! The greatest, my favorite. And they'll jump. They'll just they'll tear everything apart. I, I've caught I've caught several fives. I got a six foot one time, which is really something. And they come up out of that water and they're flipping. They they tear your equipment all up. You, know, you must as well take your line and just throw it away because they get all ripped up. And uh, but it's really fun. It's a good fight. Right. Yeah, we let them go. We don't kill them. I, I don't believe in killing this stuff. I'm not going to kill them. Uh, right. So some guy did that last night down here at Fort Myers Beach. They killed a shark about look a six foot bull shark, and they brought it up and cut it up and they left it on the beach with sunglasses on its eyes, and they put a writing on the shark. They carved into the shark body and left it there i i hope they arrest that person i hope they find them that's not you know i don't know that it's not funny if you're not uh, people eat it. i mean i get to listen if I, I'm, I'm not gonna sit i i eat steak i eat chicken yeah me too to me if you're not gonna eat it let it go like let it go you're just killing animals just to kill animals that's sick i'm, I'm the same as you i agree totally i won't do it I let everything go. We don't, had, we don't kill anything. I've had shark fin soup before because uh, my, my old boss, when he got married, you, you know, we went to the wedding. He's Chinese. That was one of like, they have like 13 courses at a Chinese wedding and like three in three wardrobe changes. So he went from his nice dress blue uniform to like a black suit to like a blue suit. His wife went from her white in the church to wearing red or something. I don't know. They, they changed clothes like six times. It was awesome. But I had you know, you want to be careful letting that information out though, if you did that now, you know, it's, a, it's considered a that's uh that's very much an aphrodisiac for those guys. You want to be careful you <laughs> you open that can of worms up, buddy. <laughs> you might but, get uh, yourself in some trouble. <laughs> but but I had I had shark fin soup that was one of the courses at the dinner, you know. So I'm not against sitting here saying, Oh, don't eat sharks. Hey, no, I'm you, just teasing. I'm just kidding. Although that is true. But don't but don't kill a shark for no reason. No. Just, it's, it's, to, just to, to show off on a beach. Drag it up and put sunglasses on. You think it's funny? 
I, I don't understand that. I just don't get it. I don't see anything like that. I have fun. I love the sport of it, but I'm going to let everything go. I'm not going to hurt anything. Um, if, if I have to cut a leader, we use a saltwater hook that will dissolve in the saltwater in a day or so. I flatten the barb so when I, we take it out, it doesn't tear the mouth. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to – I just do it for fun and for sport, right. and, uh, and I'm not hurting anything. I'm not – I just don't believe in that. But I love the excitement of it. I love to see the rod just – Yeah, I try if to – If I can fight – I try to look at golf that way where I just go out there and have it just do it for fun. Enjoy the sun, enjoy the, the, the you know, getting in a golf cart with my buddy and, 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 and having a beer and just enjoying being outside and on the grass. And, and then I'm with TJ and he enjoys slamming clubs and screaming and cursing like an animal. And, and then I think about it, like, why did I come out here today? It's, all, it's usually only one hole. I have my one hole blow up for 18 and kills the handicap and, I know what you're doing. I played for years. I don't get to play as much. I live on a golf course. I live right on a course here. So I'm hoping to go back to get to play again. I've had to I've had to slow down with it a little bit. That's my last surgery it was pretty tough. But, but I, I think I can get back. I have to adjust how I swing, but I'm, I'm hoping I can do it. So it'd be fun if I can. Absolutely. So, Coach, uh, obviously sp- uh, summer camp's over. Um, right. They, they just did a lot of cuts. There's been a lot of movement with a lot of teams uh, trying to, I guess – for lack of a better word, manipulate the cap, right? Because the salary cap's a, a thing, but it's kind of not a thing the way that they keep changing right. everybody's contracts. W- can you remember any one player where you you cut the guy and you just – it broke your heart? Yeah, there's there's several, to tell you the truth, several. Uh, with the Jets, uh, Brad Smith just killed me. Uh, James Ahitabo killed me. Um, back with Miami when we had to release Reggie Roby. That guy, I liked Reggie as a person, and I, he was a great punter. That was disappointing. So, yeah, there's been a, there's a number of those over the years that have been tough for me. And there were times when I would use, lose a young guy that I didn't want to lose because maybe they, you know, sometimes, sometimes the only team that cannot afford a guy is the team that has him because of the way the contracts are structured. But if you go to another team, you know, they kind of throw that stuff out and start over, and they can afford him. And that was that. That used to really bother me. So yeah, there were there were several over the years that uh, were really tough for me. The, the Brad Smith thing was difficult. I, I I liked him personally. He was so good for us. I hated to see him, but I was happy that, that you know he went and got some money and got a good deal. I, that made me happy. So that part never was upsetting to me. I always felt that was part of the business, and it was my responsibility to just keep moving. So I never looked at it as a real negative thing. Um, I was disappointed. I, I didn't want to see them go, but I never, I, I was always happy for them. And then I believe being, being kind of cocky that I could find the next guy that I could find one. I, I figure it out. I'll get this. I, I'll make him just as good. And so that's part of the business. That's where you have to look at it. That's just the business. And the players are going to try to get what they can there. They've got a limited time. They can make some great money. And, uh, and so you want to give them every opportunity to do that. And so we all have to work together with it. So as much sometimes as I'd be upset, I'm so always happy for those guys. I'm always so happy for them. I was going to say, you definitely had an eye for, you know, picking up the next guy. Just the, the Taysom Hill situation is, is I think, epic. Just and, and taking somebody like that, that was, you know, really his position was a quarterback, but just an athletic quarterback, and then being able to utilize him in special teams and him just, you know, taking to it and that's what i love about that situation is, is just that he was the the willingness to be like yeah 
instead of being dressed up on the sidelines in sweatpants, I could put a uniform on and get out there and get in some plays. I mean, how, how do you not love a guy like that? It's a great story. It's I just talked to him a couple of days ago. Um, he's going to be used, you know, this year with the Saints kind of in the multifaceted role, you know, the H-back, the Swiss Army knife, which is really what they should do with him. And um, I, I love him. He's a great kid. He's tough. You know, he's 6'2", you know, he weighs 225 or 30 pounds. He runs 4'4". He can run. He's tough. He'll knock your head off. He was a great kid. And so, you know, I, I just I kind of – I saw him in the locker room one day. I was coming out of the shower with a towel. And, Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Whoa. And then next thing you know, I just – I got him going and played for me, and he did a great job, great special teams player, and then became a, a really good, you know, ball player and played quarterback. And he, he can throw because he's got a good arm. So he was a great story and, and a smart guy, gave him a chance, and he did exceptionally well and helped us win games, you know, made some plays. If he, he doesn't block a punt against Tampa one year. We don't win the game in 2018. They got us beat. He blocks a punt. We score. We win. <laughs> Stuff like that. Pretty cool. So the guy, uh, those kind of guys, you have to be so happy for them. Uh, give them an opportunity and uh, uh, to see it to see it come to fruition like that. Great, 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 great football player and a great guy. I love him. Do you I think maintain that, that... he owes you some money, Coach? Yeah. <laughs> nah, they all owe me money. No, nah, I don't care. Do some of those coaches in college owe me money. That's who owes me money. Those guys. I really helped them. I'm not, I'll, I'll give you an example. I think he's a great coach. Don't get me wrong. Um, I got a call from uh, Clemson one day. Well, I, this is after I retired. Before I went to work for the Saints. Um, and so I went there. I, 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 I go down there. And um, Dabo Sweeney, he showed me, says, he said, Mike, we think we could beat Alabama. He said, but they killed us in a kicking game. The championship game, they lost. I said, let me watch the film with you. Let's watch for a little bit. I watched five minutes. I said, turn it off. He said, why? He said, I'm going to change everything. I don't like anything you're doing. I'm going to change it all. So I did. I helped them. I worked with their coaches. They were the nicest guys. I really liked them. I spent time there. I had fun with it. Um, and I put stuff in for them. That year, where they got in the playoffs, they're playing, uh, they're playing Louisville. And, uh, you know, the young man from, from the Ravens, the quarterback, helped me. I can't get his name up. Uh, Lamar Jackson. Okay, he's the quarterback. He takes Louisville right down the field and they score. And they, they go ahead of Clemson at Clemson. And with less than a minute or so to go in the game, Louisville's got the game won. They kick off to Clemson. Clemson runs it back 90-some yards, about the three-yard line, scored a winning touchdown. I got a text the next day from them. They, got, they, they said to me, they said, thanks, brother, Jet left. That's what they called. I put it in. When they beat Alabama in the championship game, I drew up the punt block for them. I drew up the big return that they ran. I gave it all to them. The next year, he signed a $60 million contract. You should give me a little cut of that. <laughs> he, should, he should give me a couple. He should buy me a new boat. Coach, you're going to say we could add a couple feet to that boat, I think. Uh, Coach, you could uh, add a couple feet to that boat. Yes, you could. Yeah, do, do you yes, know you where, could. Do you know where, do you know where Dabo comes from, That where the, his nickname Dabo comes from? No, I do not. So his real name is William. Okay. But obviously uh, – you know, when we're children, we uh, we get nicknames, and he's from he's from Alabama, born in, born in, in Alabama. Right. He went to school there. Went to school in Alabama. Yeah. So obviously, we all have accents where we come from. Obviously, TJ and I have New York accents, and we say words that like coffee and water, and we sound like we're from New York. So Dabo's brother would refer to him as that boy, and that boy became Dabo, 
as opposed to. I got it. I so get he, exactly. He's da- he's Dabo Sweeney because he's that boy uh, Sweeney. I got. I never knew that. I never knew that. But he that's it. That was. He, I, I really had fun with him. Those guys are same thing in Penn State. I helped those guys. I, I did all the when they beat. You know they beat Ohio State. You know when uh, uh, what's his name was up in Ohio State. Um, you know uh, the guy that just left uh, left, left the Jaguars. I think it's um, Urban oh, Meyer. Uh, Urban Meyer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Penn State beat them. I drew up the field goal block for them. They got for the touchdown. Drew up the punt block that they got and I drew up the kickoff return. I put them all in that week for them. He got a new contract that next year. He should, he should call me. <laughs> Franklin. Frank, I like him. He's a good dude. I like him. He's a good guy. So I, I had fun with him up there. That was, uh, I, I enjoyed it. So I, no, it was one of my schools. I, LSU was my first school that I did. Then Texas A&M. Then I had West Virginia, Notre Dame, Penn State, Clemson, Alabama. That was all pretty good schools. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so it was fun. I had fun. I, I used to read. Now all the stuff that I, I gave them, all illegal. Can't do any of it. All, it's all illegal now. So, so, so my my consulting business is over. It's done. It's gone. So that's why I have to sell a few books so I can keep my my be able to go into boat fishing once in a while. <laughs> well, listen, coach. If you ever take TJ and I out fishing, we're, we've again we've got dinners on us over at, at Cabbage Key. Okay. Um. Last go there for lunch. Get a cheeseburger. That's where that's where Jimmy Buffett wrote Cheeseburger in Paradise. You know. That's, great. that's where I'm going to take you. Wow. Yeah, I'm game. I'm game. Uh, it's up to you. You you, you show up. I'll take you. Oh, yeah. It's your we call. Might to, we that's might have an to make easy a trip. decision. We might have to make a trip. Um, <laughs> it's your call. I'll take you. I promise you I'll take you. Oh, I can call out sick from work. That's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spring. I'm going to spring in May. Come in May. Oh, my, Come in May I, next year. Our, I'll take you other call. Our birthdays are in May. Well, I don't care which excuse you use to get out of the house. We've got to use something. That's up to you. Tia, I, I'm not going to help you with that one. It I've already been down that road. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to go that road anymore. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so uh, two things before we get going. Uh, TJ, do you have any more questions you want to ask, Coach? Yeah, I did. Um, you So – with the Taysom Hill situation, and then obviously uh, you talk very in depth about the um, uh, Tim Tebow situation that was in the Jets, and you say it was very unfair for him. They didn't never utilized him the way right. that they said they were going to utilize him. But you also make a point to say like he he wouldn't block. Do you think he could have been a player like Taysom Hill? I mean, he had that no. athleticism that could no no no. He's not. It's not his makeup. Okay, he, he can run with the ball. He's a ball carrier, and he'll run hard. But as far as that other part of the makeup of being like a blocker and a tackler and to do those little things, no, uh-uh. I, I never, I put it this way, I never saw an inkling of it. Okay. I got stuck one time when I had to use them on a, as a personal protector. We were playing Dolphins when uh, Eric Smith got hurt and he went in and uh, he, he didn't touch the guy. It was, uh, it, was, it was not good. I was an unhappy camper and I got a pump blocked. I never had too many in my whole career, but thanks to him, he, he, he helped me get one. <laughs> he had a lot to do with it. So no, no, that just that wasn't his makeup. No, but the fact that I was disappointed is that there was a role he was to have, and he was very prepared for that role. And the offense never utilized with him at all. I did. I kept my end of the bargain. We ran those stakes. We were good at it. Yeah. And I liked him doing that. Anything else? No, no, he's not getting on that group I had. He couldn't play with those guys. <laughs> I'm just telling you, he couldn't play with them. They, they looked at me and say, Mike, will you get him in the huddle? Get him the hell out of here. 
No, we had a good group. He didn't fit. Not there. Not there. Other things, yes. There, no. No, he did not. And, and the offense, it's like it's like they were, I don't know, they didn't even talk to him. Like, it was terrible. It was a mess. I, I He came to me one time during a game. We had the ball. We were playing the Raiders. And we had the ball first and goal on, like, the four-yard line. We couldn't get in. And he came to me and said, Coach, will you put the pump team in? He said, I'll run a fake and get in the end zone. <laughs> and he, it was kind of funny, actually, because I think if we had put the punt team and run the fake, we would have scored. <laughs> we never did score either. So he had a good oh, point. It was pretty funny, actually. That's I think great. He was right. Did you, did you have another one? That's it. Uh, so I just had two you. questions before we let you get going, Coach. We've taken up a lot of your time, but it's been yeah, sorry. absolutely yeah, really phenomenal for it. us. We really appreciate you. Um, but two, two last questions. Uh, the first one is you seem to have a very close relationship with your son. I uh, I actually had the privilege of serving with my father and my uncle in the same unit um, 15 wow. years ago when I was a private and they were senior sergeants. I had the privilege to serve with them. So we have a very, very, very close relationship and you have a very close relationship with your uh, oldest son um i only have one child one son. Oh, i'm sorry with, with your son um i'm thinking of your grandkids you have a, a few grandkids. yes three three boys but, but you're uh but your but your son you have a very close relationship with him i mean how, how does that like yeah he played football at, at penn if i remember correctly yes yeah uh, he you being a football coach, how, how is that relationship with him? And, like, did you give him advice? Did he listen to your advice? Or was it, like, a normal thing? Like, I remember being a young private and my dad telling me stuff about being in the military and me being like, get out of my face, old man. I know everything already. I think he was I think he was probably surprised that I held back. You know, there were, I, I didn't really want him to play too early because he wanted to go out for just one of these little league teams. I didn't let him. I just said, I don't think he need not yet. You know, let, let's get, give him another year or two, stuff like that. Um, he went to school in, in Fort Lauderdale, St. Thomas Aquinas, which is, I mean, that's the best football high school in the world. I mean, nobody's better than those guys. And he won a state championship. And then he went to the Ivy League. He's a good student. He's smart. You know, I should, I should probably get DNA testing somewhere. But, uh, he, he's got two Ivy League championship rings. So he's got three. <laughs> Dad doesn't have any. He's got three. So he did a nice job. And then he, then he went to law school, and he's an attorney. Uh, lives and works in Washington, D.C. area with an acquisition company. And he's done very well. But he was a good sports guy. He lived in New York. He came and he moved in with me after he graduated for a little bit. And then he got with his buddies in an apartment in the city, you know, and he did all that running around Manhattan like everybody does when they're young. So, you know, he loved it. And that's when we were real good, when the Jets were real good. So, you know, it was a lot of fun for him too. And uh, But he was always good. He's, he knew a lot, a good sports guy. And when I went back to work, and I went back to the Saints you know, after five years of being out, when I first went back, in my first week, first two weeks, we were, I mean, we were, I was thinking to myself, oh, Mike, you, you stink. You're te we're terrible. <laughs> I mean, Sean Payton was great to me. I'm thinking, oh, people, you must, you might have messed up here, brother. And then when we played the Rams, and, uh, and, and the Rams beat us. They, they just beat us all. They beat everybody. You know, Drew didn't have a good day. Our defense was, didn't play well. I didn't do too much, you know, I'm, nothing terrible, but nothing, nothing good. So I went back in the stadium and I called him. And, I, I, and you know, and the first thing he said, uh, he said, Dad, when did you start kicking the ball in the middle of the field? Okay. He said, you know, Dad, you're, you're a return guy. Said, I don't think he can catch. I'm thinking, oh, man, here we go. And he said, he said and your punt block, you could have blocked it, but those guys can't run. <laughs> so he said, and then he finally said, you know, Dad, 
He said, you got to, he said, you just, you have to kind of change something. He said, because they're not playing your way. He said, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you got to make them play your way. The light went on. I got on that plane. And I took that roster with my assistant. We sat there and I, and I moved every single person because I didn't know these guys to the right spot. I said, we've got a good group. They're not lined up in the right place, and I'm going to change everybody. And I changed the schedule. I changed every single thing we did. And from that moment on, we never lost another special teams play the whole year. Now, you don't win them all, but we never lost one. And I got Taysom Hill the next week, the next thing you know. And the Saints, we went from rank 31st in the league to rank 1st. So his advice was poignant. And he said, Dad, you've got to make them play your way, and you're not doing that. He said, so you, you got to somehow, you better, you got to do it. And, and, and I'm, if I said it to myself once, I said it 50 times. Yeah, make them play your way, Mike. And then all of a sudden, practice changed. Everything changed. And Sean Payton was great. And I remember him coming to me. He said, Mike, these are the same guys. He said, they were terrible. He said, they look like we're going to kill somebody out there. I said, well, we're, we're playing just like we practice. I think well, that's how we practice. And then I started doing crazy things. You know, I did, I just, I had fun. I remember I was using Taysom Hill one time, <clears throat> right before Alvin Kamara took over, to run kickoffs back. And we were running, and, he, and we had a good hole. And he was, it looked like he was going to bust it. And he kind of tripped about the 25 or 30 yard line. He kind of tripped. I'm like, oh, what the hell are you doing? Pick your feet up. There's nobody here. So the next day, the next, the next week, we were getting put the same return in, and I'm practicing it. So right before we got going, Taysom Hill's back there ready to kick off, and I blew it so stopped it. And I had our strength coaches go out with brooms and sweep the field off in that area where he tripped. <laughs> made him sweep it. I said, you all right back there now? You okay now? we got to clean it up for you. So yeah. <laughs> he, he, he wanted to kill me, but he got the message. He got the oh, message. So sometimes you got, I, used to, I used to love that kind of stuff. I, I didn't care what it was. And then he didn't trip anymore. He didn't trip anymore. Uh, he played pretty good. I, uh, I, I like, I like hearing that story about you and your son. I, you know, I kind of had a similar situation recently. Uh, my dad, my whole life said, don't let them, don't tell yourself. No, let them tell you no. Okay. So, you know, sure. I, I, I'd come across a situation where it, it was a situ- like, I don't know, like I wanted to do something, but I, I, I said to myself, the boss will never let me do that. And my father goes, did you ask? And I go, no, but the boss is not going to let me do that. He goes, let him tell you that. Don't tell yourself that. Let him tell you. He said, no. So the other day, a couple of weeks ago, my father said, I was talking to my dad about something about, he, he just turned 60 uh, recently, uh, last year. And, and he's due to, 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 I guess, collect some more retirement money from another job after, you know, aside from the military. And uh, he, uh, he said something like, well, I said, well, why don't you do this? And he goes, no, no, no. And I go, I swear, what happened to you? Did, weren't you the guy that always told me? Don't let them, don't tell yourself, no, let them tell you no. And, and he kind of, you know, he lives down in Florida now. And and obviously I live in New York and he, he just went, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I said, yeah, some wise guy once told me, don't, don't tell myself, no, let them tell me no. (laughs) So it's kind of of a cool parallel that your son had to remind you how you play football. He he absolutely did. He did. It it meant a lot to me. And then he got to travel with me uh, for my last game. When my last game as a coach, we played, well, my last game with the Jets. I thought it was going to be my last. It wasn't. Uh, and it was up in uh, Buffalo, and he was on the field with us and got to stand next to me with the national anthem. And, 
and, and I was very, very honored that they, they, they let, they let him do that with me. So it was really a exactly. nice thing to do. A very, very, very kind thing that they did. Although I think in some ways they were so happy to get rid of me. They were going to, they were <laughs> Because I was driving them all nuts. I think they were going to give me give me anything to let me get me out of there. <laughs> Coach, you, you were driving them all nuts because you were the only one doing the job the right way while everybody yeah. was mailing it in, it seems. Uh, I used to fight with them pretty good. I got some fights with them. But, uh, <laughs> my last question before before we let you go, you spent a lot of time with us. We really, I can't express to you how much we really appreciate it. And we might find ourselves down in Fort Myers next, uh, next spring. <laughs> if you uh, don't, your mistake. Shame on YouTube. Yes, sir. I won't make uh, that mistake. <laughs> so, so the last question I have for you, a couple of, about a week ago, uh, I saw somebody, um, post something on Twitter. Um, and obviously you're active on Twitter. And I have, I have someone that helps me, this young lady that helps me. She's the social media expert. I mean, I, I fill in and, and you know, I, I go over whether what to do, but trust me, I'm no expert on this and I've had some help. So I'm, I'm gonna, I, I will pass the baton on this, but most, uh, go ahead. Most people do. Uh, Somebody posted something that said, you know, the Jets made a cut or kept somebody. Uh, and somebody said something like, uh, in, with regard to Denzel Mims. And a lot of people said, why would Denzel Mims not start? He plays better than Jeff Smith. And don't tell me special teams. Anyone can play special teams. And I, I actually tagged your account and I said, uh, I said, do you believe this disrespect, coach? Anybody can play special teams. And and the reply that I got back from your account was, uh, I would invite him to try. That was me. I wrote that one back. And, and so my question. I'd bring him out there, say, I'll run you down. Do, do you feel. <laughs> run down there. So you get killed. I won't. You know, I was going to do that. And Herman Edwards taught me. We, we, were used to, we were at Hofstra. We used to practice over there at Hofstra. Mm-hmm. And there was, we were on a little field. It was a little dinky field. The practice field was terrible. You know, we went to, to Florham Park. It was beautiful. But anyway, we're at Hofstra. And this guy was always in the stands. And he had something. He wore like a jersey and stuff. And he was screaming and yelling. And, you know, he came down right by the field. And I can do better than that. And I'm running this, this coverage drill. And, and he wanted to come out. And so I said, oh, well, okay, come on. So I brought him out. Now, he, now he got, I, I said, I told one of the guys, give him your helmet. I said, I put him in. I told the other guy, I said, when he runs out, knock the shit out of him. I said, I don't care. So they found out I was going to do it. They said, you're going to get us all fired. It's going to be a lawsuit. So they came. He was in line. He was going to have to run this drill. And then Herman saw it. He can run. What are you doing? They went, made, make a long story short, I didn't get to do it. So I totally, oh. discretion was probably the better part of valor. And it's probably a good thing I didn't go through with it. But I actually was going to do it because he, he said the wrong Thing. He just said the wrong thing, and it, and it, it got me angry. And I went, "Oh, you think so?" Huh? Next day, I said, "Get this helmet," because <laughs> we were just in like shorts and stuff. And I said, "Oh, they were gonna knock the hell out." But uh, I'm glad it didn't happen. It, it probably kept me from getting fired, so I'm glad I, I didn't do it. it what's insane is that that opportunity, obviously, with the way the world works and the lawsuits and stuff, you know. It's crazy, but somebody like me, I wouldn't even talk smack. I would just love the opportunity to get the shit kicked out of me by the Jets. I would wear like a badge of honor as my arm is twisted the wrong way. I'm like, hey, you know how I got that? Yeah. Yeah. At least I went out there and tried. That's what you could say. Say, yeah. I tried. I gave it. I gave it 100. percent I got. I tried. Ass, I got my ass handed to me. But uh, raise your hand if you've gotten your ass kicked by an NFL player. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I would have to raise the twisted hand. <laughs> still be turned the wrong way. Listen, uh, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. I'm, I'm proud of my time there. I was 
a lot of fun for me. I'm, and, I, and I'm happy that I was able to write a book about it that brings some of it out. And it takes about a time that, you know, special teams really weren't too much before that. We brought it to a point of prominence, and now it's kind of drizzled away again. And uh, it'll never get to that point where it was. And, uh, and that's what I wanted to talk about. So I think, I think the book does a nice job of that. You know, I, I, I watched two stories the other night. I'll tell you this real quick on Netflix, um, to which I think are great sports stories. One about the, the uh, NBA basketball official that was gambling. You know, and, and that, that could have been disaster for the National Basketball League. I mean, it's just the, the fact that David Stern is so brilliant that he kind of kept it under control. But anyway, and the other one, the uh, Monte Teo. The Monte yeah. Teo, the, the linebacker for nine. See, he played with the Saints when I was there. So I know him. And that's an incredible story. If you, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's a great story about a great young man. And, uh, and I'm watching these things and I'm thinking, you know, th- these are good stories. But these are sad stories. I got a really good story. Netflix should do something with this show that I had my book. They should do something. Because this is a happy story about guys that came out of nowhere that really made it work. They made it work and they changed the game. It's a great story. Yeah, you know, when I was torturing my girlfriend. I said, I'm going to have to get Brad Pitt to play my part. But I was torturing her. <laughs> it was kind of fun. But it was fun. I just, I'm proud of it. And it's a good story, and it ended up well. It, 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 it just did. It is about good people that, that contributed. You guys saw it. You know what? I'm, I'm not making it up. I'm watching tonight. They did this stuff, not me. And it was, that's, what, that's what I'm so proud of. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would say the only sad part is the fact that, I mean, in such a short time, we got to see, you know, the, the prominence and the rise of special teams and the importance of it and, and the heyday of special teams. And now it's pretty much handicapped by just the right. way the league went and the rules nowadays. It's, right. That's the sad part. I mean, the, you, losing those explosive plays that I've been changing the game. Uh, I, I miss the old way of doing things. Really I'll give you one real quick. I'll give you one real quick. You guys will know this. Uh, 2009, I believe it was. Okay, our, our playoff game against the uh, against the Colts in Indianapolis. Peyton Manning's last game there. All right, so it's a good game, back and forth. They score, they score with just a little bit of time left on the clock, a minute or so left. They're going to kick off. Now Brad Smith had gotten hurt, so I put Antonio Camardi, and I said, and I told him, I said, look, I know their guy. He's going to try to kick a touchback. He's going to hook it. It'll come to our right side. It'll be about five yards deep in the end zone, four or five. I said, line up right there. I made, I made the call. It was a Miami right. We we're going to double team their five. Da, 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 da. And I said, you're going you're gonna to hit. We're going to hit him with this. We'll, we'll. He, he wants to. He can't kick it out. He won't kick it. He'll kick it far. But, but we ran it up the 50-yard line. We completed one pass, and we kicked the field goal. Now we went to the next level of the playoffs. We beat New England, and we played in the AFC Championship game. If that Colt game were played today, that ball would have been out of the end zone, touchback. There's no time for the Jets to go down the field and score, and the Jets would have not won the game. So which one do you want? I want to have a chance. Yeah. That's what I want. I want the chance, and that's been taken away. I couldn't agree more. Because we would have not won that football game. We had no chance. Because he would have killed that ball. You know, he'd been out of the end zone. You know, we'd have started to 25, no time on the clock. Time for two plays, maybe. But the way it was... Next thing you know, we're we're beating New England, and there we are going to the championship game. You guys know what that felt like. Come on, huh. it's amazing. Thank <laughs> you.
for those two years, we went to back-to-back AFC championship games. My house was a madhouse. <laughs> we never yelled so much. We used to, we would hang posters around the house. Like my house was the party zone for Jets games. And I'd invite <laughs> the whole block to my house. And we'd have like tons of chicken wings. And it was every day was a Super Bowl for those playoffs. That was a fun time. But then we'd have never we'd have never gotten any further if we didn't have an opportunity. And and Camardi ran and we just blocked the hell out of them. We had a great block. They kicked us out of bounds. We get just about to 50. We complete a pass. We kick a field goal. I like I like having the play. Yeah. I like having the chance. That's my goal. So, and so that's why um, I, I like the way it was and what we were able to do and we were able to contribute. We became a viable part. And some guys like that nobody knew about had a tremendous role. And that, for me, was what it's all about. And that's what I wrote about. So. And I appreciate you guys giving me an opportunity to talk about it. So thank you. Coach, Coach, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. uh, I I can't even put into words how how exciting and and, and just – it's amazing to have you on the show. We really appreciate you to to no end. Uh, We really enjoyed the book to no end. Uh, Awesome book. Coach, I'll tell you this. I'll be telling my grandkids about this one day. I'll be like, yeah, I got to talk to Coach Mike Westoff twice. Hopefully, I'll get to tell them I got to sit down and talk to my Coach Mike Westoff twice. And, hey, then, we went, and then we went on his boat and, 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 and fished for some sharks. He's good. You come down. We'll get to, you know, we got a book signing coming up. Uh, I think it's the 17th or 18th, the Sunday uh, in, in Staten Island. Really? You do? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be there. The books that say it's at a restaurant called uh, – Taco Tinko or Taco something like that. Check it out. It's on Staten Island in an area that's a, a real nice area. Where there's lots of nice restaurants and things. It's a Mexican restaurant. We'll be there from 12 to 4 with a book signing. I'm, I'm driving. I'm taking a bunch of books. And they're going to have the game on and all kinds of stuff. So if you get, it's a Sunday when the Jets are playing at Cleveland, I believe. Okay. Shoot, I'm there. So if you get a chance, I'm, I'm come by. Uh, come by, yeah, please, absolutely. please come by. Absolutely, we'll be there. That'd be fun. Yeah, that's what. That's where we're gonna be. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna come up. I'm gonna do it. Perfect. So. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, well, guys, I'm gonna let you go. So thanks again. Thank coach, you so thank much, you. Coach. We'll be seeing you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Come to come to the signing. That'd be fun. It'd be nice to get together. I hope you do. Absolutely. absolutely. We'll be there. All right, guys. Good night. Thank Good you, night, coach. coach. Good night. Everybody, please, please, please. Go out there, buy Figure It Out by Coach Mike Westoff. It's at Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Uh, you can get it on Audible. Uh, I recommend the Audible, if, especially if, I, you, if you like like Audible. Yeah, Coach I can't read to that book. enough. Coach reads the book himself. You really get it straight from the horse's mouth, and you can feel his intensity. You can feel – it's like he's talking to you. It's like a good friend is telling you a great story. Yeah, absolutely. I, the – Thank, thank you, Nick, especially for talking me into going the audible route and, and singing it praises because I'm happy I did that instead of reading it because not that I'm opposed to reading, and I do enjoy reading, but I mean, to, to just to hear Coach actually read his own words and put the inflections on it and the emotion behind it, it's, that, it's an experience. And like you said, it's like having a conversation with an old friend that's just filling you in on you know the most important and poignant details of their life. Uh, I, I cannot sing this book praises enough. Uh, you just saw... Coach Mike Westoff, what a great guy, and he wrote an absolutely incredible book. If you're a Jeff fan, if you're a football fan, 
I really encourage you guys to go check it out. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's all we've got for this episode. Uh, from us here at Scoreboard Addicts, we appreciate you guys staying with us. Uh, catch us again next week. Uh, I believe de- next week the season will have started, but I think Anthony's doing uh, a Giants uh, review. Uh, obviously, Jets games on Sunday. We open up against Baltimore. Uh, I just saw a quick clip. I, I, I think Zach Wilson has actually been cleared for football. Beautiful. Uh, so he might play on Sunday. So uh, the doctors has said that he is uh, clear to to play. Uh, whether or not he actually does, that's a different that's a different conversation. Um, but uh, but you know, either way, it, football's back. Football's, football's back, back, folks. Football's back. Absolutely. What a great um, time of the year. Sweater weather coming up. Football. Uh, if you like those pumpkin spice lattes, <laughs> you got those coming at you left and right. Great time of year. So thank you very much, guys, for tuning in with us. Uh, at least thank you for bearing with us, you know, to tune in from Coach Mike. Because, I mean, I wouldn't come to see me. I'd come to see Coach. Absolutely. But- I, I look forward to running into him uh Intention, intentionally running into him in Staten yeah. Island and hopefully down in Fort Myers next spring. <laughs> yep. Got to buy a hardcover of that book now to Absolutely. get it signed because. Absolutely. But uh, from us here at Scoreboard X uh, Podcast, we'll catch you next week. And we're not clear. Uh, uh, hold on (laughs) my bad do you suffer from chronic hip knee or shoulder pain avoid drug dependency and surgery with downtown's healthcare in denver downtown's healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process call downtown's healthcare at 303-292-9992 now in lowry or downtown Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.